We're n- naked news, ladies and gentlemen. I only know three other barracks in the world, and I'm pretty much related to all of them. So. <laughs> this is like being this is like being on the trading floor in '87. I suppose it's a bit like kissing your sister. You really. Are. I'm a professional dribbler, so <laughs> let's let's do the numbers contest. Around the grounds, the Barnsley ball bag. We'll go to the pub. <laughs> Trying to raise awareness for men's mental health and anything that's happening in sport. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast. James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarns, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor Condo Condon. Okay, we are back. James, Beric, we're in the shed. How fucking good. Just that rhythmic echo. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good to be back in the home of the podcast. Welcome. And, and it's good it's, to see you, Barnsley. We hey, haven't, good haven't back, seen mate. you for I've ages. Been, uh, I've been all over the shop, actually. Yeah, so uh, We'll get to that. Yeah, no, I've been on the road a bit. And good to have uh, our guest, Glenn Casey, in the shed. Look, we'll get to him later, but I'll tell you what's awesome, too, is another person got lost on the road out here. Uh, Danny Wills. <laughs> Sorry to everyone who lives uh, along the, this road here that he uh, popped into and uh, randomly said g'day on their front door. I think I, I dropped a pin on, from like Google Maps and sent it <laughs> to him. You gave him the wrong number. It was the wrong number and he called me as I was picking up Rian like, you know, a couple of minutes uh, away from where he was and he's like, so there's numbers on rocks and uh, <laughs> in the wrong place. And I go, there should be like a footy field in a big white house. And he goes, I'll go to the back of the property, see if it's there. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, it's bloody good to be back. It's really good to be back in the shed. Uh, this is where the podcast started. And I suppose if it ever ends, this is where it'll end. But thanks for having us, Barnsley. Ah, good to be back in here, boys. So good. It's like just a, a sort of bit of a reminder of uh, oh, my surfboard's still there. Yeah, it is. It's got a few dings in it. You can blame Kingsley Sattler. I came in here one night and he was dead set jumping up and down on it. Uh, on oh, my carbon wood surfboard. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's worth a lot of money, that it thing. It is worth a lot of money. It's crazy no one, how much money that sucks because no one will take it over trestles for the world sh- world title showdown now. Oh, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, Devo. Well, uh, we kicked off the night with uh, a couple of pizzas before we even got into the potty. So uh, yeah. thanks to Lennox Pizza yeah, Pasta. Man, if you haven't been down to the main street, Opposite the park, first floor, Mez and Nikki down there looking after everybody. A treat. Yeah. How good is it? Uh, it's awesome. And some cracking live music too. Um, and if people don't know too, that's probably the place we've been doing a few of our live podcasts anyway. The last one with Matty Wilkinson, which was a lot of fun. Barnsley, hot off the press. We are booked in. First Wednesday of each month. Are we? From next month. There we go, eh? You probably won't be here, but oh, I don't know. I don't know. It might be just me and Woody telling jokes, but we'll worst, find a guest. Worst we'll case, find a guest. Worst case for any listeners, we could be stripping. Me and Condo could be stripping <laughs> or one of us one of us doing a podcast on the no, other one. I, I think our first guest <laughs> I think our first guest in September might be uh, Greg Bird. Oh, that'll be oh, a sick one. Yeah. New South Wales origin legend. Yeah. Legend. Yeah, good. So uh that'll be at Lennox Pizza Pasta. Uh Yulis, uh the ball and all beer is flowing down at Lennox Pizza Pasta, and it is tonight as well. Yeah, and special shout-out to Simo. Jeezy helps out a lot of stuff in the community. You only had it, obviously, you know, the other day yep. with him as well. So, um, yeah, champions. Um, good to see our beer back. I haven't had one in a while. It'd be nice to uh, taste a drop again. You got it. Do you drink beer? Oh, occasionally. I'm such a lightweight, though. <laughs> I usually drink drink beer to get pissed, but... I suppose you've got to wait till the Wallabies have a win, and then you can celebrate <laughs> So you might – anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, right uh, the Bolo Club Lennox, 
Have yep. you been down there recently? I was there on Saturday night. I got to catch up with one of the um, one of the biggest rangers in Australia, pretty much, Jackie Nash. Oh, he was back. Nashy's in town. He was back up for a couple of nights. Got to have a beer with him down there, and um, got to see uh, yeah, just a few of the old crew. Got to see Ruv on the beers for the first time in ages. He, he started at twelve thirty with me down there watching the rugby. Yeah, he hadn't. I don't think he'd had beers for at least. 12, 13 hours. So. He gets more leave passes and <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. He's a freak. <laughs> yeah. Station grocer. Now, Barnsey, I know that you've got like, as people say, you're probably the busiest person in 2478 that doesn't actually have a job. But if you are looking for a job, <laughs> but if you are looking for a job, the station grocer are employing. And if you work Saturdays or Sundays, you'll get paid $42 an hour. Well, that's wow. They've got, they've got like a little ad on the, yeah, um, right. yep, on the counter there. That's wow, that's epic. Jeez, that's uh. I actually went down there. The I'll other... be sacked soon, anyway, so it's not long. <laughs> I'm, I'm going for the Wallabies. They're killing it. <laughs> I, went, I went down there the other day and had a well, chat. Well, actually, why is he ringing as we speak? Maybe you're already <laughs> sacked. Sorry. <There> you go. <laughs> oh, I just like Jolly who runs it. He's our soccer, our soccer yeah. expert. And I was just talking to him about Messi. And we're over to the side of the counter talking, and there was about forty-five people lined up. Just staring. <laughs> I go, "You're gonna get these crew." And he's like, "Yeah, but how's this fucking like? We're just getting into Messi, going over to uh, over to the America USA, and yeah. killing it." Um, elders, what are they sold or what haven't they? Things are pretty bit tight, aren't they? James? Oh, I'd imagine so, but that doesn't mean they won't be developing like fucking Red Rock or somewhere like that, <laughs> Boulder's Peg, they'll be figuring it out. What would you do down there? What would you do at Boulder's? <laughs> what sort of development would you do? What should Nick Borden do? At the Boulder's? Yeah. At the Peg? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously probably some mining. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that, it'd go down well. Yeah. yeah. You'd do it just to see the fucking concerted protest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and geez, wouldn't there be some? Yeah. Yeah, right. Oh, okay, yeah. let's get into Around the Ground. And so, overnight, Barnsley, great result. If there's nothing better than seeing England get beaten in a final, it's also that New Zealand get beaten in the playoff for third and fourth. <laughs> the ladies netball. Yeah, 16 good, eh? goals. Yeah, I, I ran into Liz Ellis randomly at soccer uh, Saturday morning too, and she was fully decked out in the kit there, cutting around at soccer. Uh, champion Australian, but great to see the girls obviously win overnight, and obviously being upset in the in the uh, the uh, what do you call it, the it pool a, rounds yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, then they beat Jamaica in the semi. Yep, to get through, and uh, you know that was tight, and then they you know absolutely schooled them last night, which was great. You know, beat it Palms, and hopefully we get to do it in the soccer too, which would be nice as well. Uh, are they on the other side of the draw? They're on our side, I think. Yeah, we'll have so to go. We'll, we'll have to go if the we, Matildas. Yeah, we'll get we'll get onto the Matildas because how good's that? Like I. I uh, I don't know. It's probably one of the I – lo- I like watching women's sport, but I particularly like watching the soccer. Like, I've really got into this. And, and as a, uh, you know, a guy with a daughter, obviously my daughter loves the soccer and just the whole family's been absolutely riveted with it. Like, last night watching the US versus Sweden, you know, go down to the wire, penalty shootout. That's what sport's all about. Actually, the it's probably the, the only thing that's better than watching England get beaten. It's seeing the Seppos get <laughs> yeah, beaten. Yeah, I know. Was, How good is that? Well, it was nice. Especially Absol- the way they got beat. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think Megan Rapinoe's ever missed a penalty, they were saying. Mm. And, you know, she missed and that girl at Smith had it to put them through. Like, they, could, they did just about everything to, to, to beat them. They were the better team on the night. But it just shows in soccer that if you can just hang in there Hang in there. That sweet, um, the Swedish goalkeeper saved about four or five crackers, and they found a way. 
Incredible. By the be- by the a- by an absolute bee's dick it was. It's generally probably <laughs> the only <coughs> it's the only game pretty much where you can play fucked and win. Mm. Like it really is. It's like one of the only games where you're probably by far the worst team and get it to a draw and beat them on penalties. It's just Yeah. You'd have to say that. Like It's a good you point. You can't do that in nearly any other sport. The Tigers in the wrong sport. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the wrong league, I'd say. But does yeah. soccer do? Does does any sport do tension better than soccer? Like I've never felt the build up when you get to like late, it, you know, especially when you got something riding on the game, you are just riding every bloody play. And I don't, I suppose that's what it does better than than anything. I think. What do you make of the Matildas coach? I love him. Why? I absolutely love him. He's a guy I'd want to play for. Why? Why? Because he he's positive, mate. He he's got great energy. He brings your families into it. He makes it a place that's inclusive. He allows you to be yourself, to try things, to fail, and not feel like the whole world's coming down on you. Like, I, I think Tony would be a great guy to play for, and I'm um I'm I'm really happy for him. They got that win last game because it's vindicated a lot of what he's done. And I I just um I hope these girls get on a run. Like all these cards are falling in their favour mm. now. Denmark is a huge um. It's going to be a huge game for us because they're obviously a good side. But we've beaten France and we've beaten England, and that's our path to the World Cup final. So, you know, I've got my fingers crossed. I, I can't wait for tonight. Have you been watching it, James? I have been watching a little bit of it, mostly the highlights. But, um, yeah, I'll be definitely watching it tonight. I, I was down the rabbit hole with the cricket. Like, I was fucking oh, outside my yeah. mind. So, you want to talk about tension, dude? Yeah. You want to talk about some fucking tension? Like, get David Warner <laughs> in the crease. Swinging it or anything, ghosts, fucking <laughs> mos- mosquitoes. <laughs> Guy scares the shit out of you every time a ball's bowled near. What was your take over the series? Oh, they is the criticism of uh, of the captaincy valid in of, your opinion? Yeah, he shouldn't have been the captain. He's too good of a bowler to have so so much on his mind. He so, should have. So if he isn't, who is then? Oh, I'd say Travis Head would be perfect. He's so the, Smith he, doesn't come back. Nah, he's had his crack. He can just – I think Travis – they need to go away from it, go – I would go Travis Head or I'd go – if they keep Mitchell Marsh, I'd go Mitchell Marsh. One of those two. Mitchell Marsh just got given the uh, T20 captain. So yeah, I just – I'd, I'd honestly let – like let Steve Smith just play the rest of his gear focus on winning us games. I just think Cummings needs to do that too. He just had so much on his plate. He played all six tests. Yeah. Like, but well, what, look, keep in mind his performance in the first test. With the bat, I know. Like if yeah. he just had, if he didn't have to think about setting fields and dealing with all the press. Oh, I think it's a, it's a hard. Like mate, that's one of the greatest Ashes series mm. that I can remember. Yeah. But, you know, like it, it had tension, it had genuine hatred. Like it yeah. brought back feeling to Test cricket, and I think, you know, say what you want about it, it, it put bums on seats, mate. Oh, it made people turn mate, up and watch it. You turned it on the middle of the night, just bloody. Sometimes praying for rain, and then other oh. times praying that they'd fucking pick the right ball. Um, yeah. yeah. What did so you much. What did you make of that? I oh, mean, Pont- it was a roar. It was we got roared. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. um, it was that's interesting fuck. because Ponting went off about it, but Michael Clark's take on it is that you know a ball changes ten times in a Test match. Like, what's the big deal? Because of how much we're on top, how much it like in similar conditions, how well we we're playing, and then how quickly it became almost impossible to play. So think about like a 30 or 40 over ball. Which yeah, no, 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 I get all that. Soft. You work, yeah, you work your ass that. off to get to like that soft ball where you can make some runs. But why do they change it? 
because oh, it hit. Said it was out of shape because it hit that. What, what did it hit, mate? So it hit his helmet. It hit Kawaja's helmet. So what they do now in Test cricket, as soon as the ball starts to lose any shine, yeah, they, they basically it. have someone that goes after every over. Can we change the ball? Can we change the ball? Can yeah. we change the ball? Can we? And they do it as much as they can to pester the to the umpire to change it. So we can't get to case without having to chat about the Wallabies, Barnsley. Where we at? Well, I was. I was Huge improvement on the weekend. You know what I mean? Like if you were sitting there watching it and you saw a bunch of young kids go to Dunedin and, and put in that performance, I was um, I was particularly impressed with that. And that's given me a lot of hope going into the World Cup. Well, not so much hope, but you're kind of starting to see a lot of the stuff that they were training, um, you know, just hammering home and what Eddie's been doing is starting to come through in the game. So if you, if you look at all our games, we've improved gradually as we've gone on. And and to be honest, like it's a pretty big baptism of fire to go South Africa and Pretoria – the Argies' loss at home was a was a, a you know we were poor that night, but to go New Zealand back to back like we did, I thought um you know I thought it was a a step in the right direction. But I don't think we can get too carried away in the sense that when you saw their big guns come on at halftime and you saw the momentum in the whole game change there, That's we got to, it, we got yeah. to temper it a little bit yeah. and say it was a great first half and what we did was good. But when they got their best cattle yeah. on the field, we looked to pace off it and and um, look. We go to France now. We play France um, just before the World Cup and then uh, straight into Georgia. And, and, look, I know we've got probably what's perceived as one of the weakest pools, but we've got no guarantees of getting out Fiji. of it. Mate. Not the with way, Fiji. Not with Fiji are playing, playing really well. And Wales, you know, they beat England last night so or the night before. So, look, you know, we, um, we have to keep getting better and every day counts for us. That's, you know, to get combinations and all that sort of stuff, we've got to, we've got to make the most of it. And I can tell you what, there's no one uh, – there's no one in Milks more out of guys than Eddie Jones. So Are they going to be, be training on the plane like Eddie's quoted? Uh, I'd say so, yes. Gonna, yeah. You know that? They're going to be training on the plane. <laughs> I don't know, but can I, can I ask you this, Bez? If they did a world, world team, like the pick the best of the world oh, team, have, have we got a player that would make that team? If we, look, row. I'll be honest. If we pick two players tomorrow, I'd say Angus Bell would be in it. Um, the prop and Marika Corabetti. They're, um, they're our two sort of genuine yeah, world Yeah, and players. to be fair, Mark. Karevi? No, uh, Maybe. No, no. Well, no. he he definitely outplayed his um opposite on the weekend. Uh but but no, no, not not with Geordie Barrett. Yeah, yeah. I'm just talking <laughs> even an Anzac team. Okay, so when you look at it like that, that's kind of where we're at at the moment. But yeah. there's a couple of guys, Rob Valentini. Um, yeah. And uh, I thought Mark um, Nwonga Tuasi was really good again. Two weeks in a row, he's probably even been better than Marika. So, um. There's some green shoots there for us. And to be like Carter Gordon, to watch his improvement from game one to game two, you know, he goal kicked well. He managed the game really well. So I thought um, – What's he so, like to coach? Yeah, he's a good good kid, mate. Yeah, he's um, he's diligent, hard work. He's had a few injuries, so he's sort of coming back from that. Um, uh, but but he's a really good kid and um, he's tough too, mate. Like he doesn't – he's not afraid of, uh, you know, mixing it to carrying the ball, tackling – the guy who's really impressed me though is Tate McDermott. I thought, you know, he's grabbed his opportunity. Obviously, they've thought him captain material. He's taken that chance. You know, no one works harder in that Wallaby environment than him. Always doing extras, always diligent with it. So um, good luck to him. He's got what he's deserved. Uh, so we'll just touch on the NRL in regards to your other job. Uh, Knights are on a roll. Mm. I am I am not missing their games in the last four or five weeks. Geez, they're playing a good brand of footy. I know to it's watch, not down to you, they? but um, they're playing really good. No, I think you've KP's got to, come back. I mean, yeah. you, you mentioned it. He trained the house down, obviously shelved the state of origin sort of plans after not being selected in game one. But, geez, they've been good. Yeah, he's been amazing. Like, 
him and Reese Walsh, it's tough to split for who's the most dominant player in the competition right now between those two. Aren't we spoiled with good fullbacks? <sighs> yeah. Drink sure water. Are. Yeah, I know. Ryan Pappenhausen back on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. how good's that? Great story, that. But, um, yeah, look, just in relation to the Knights, mate, they, their attack's been good all year. They've been able to score points. So if they get inside your 20, I think there's no one better conversion rate than the Knights. So if – it, their, their defense and just dumb errors, you know, dumb like, sort of brain explosions have been their Achilles heel, and that hasn't been there the last six weeks. Like you roll into this finals, them playing the way they are, they're a team you would not want to play. Well, they took they took the Broncos to the line at Suncorp and yep. the Panthers. Yeah, and then they've gone four they're, on the track. They've beaten the they've Storm, got, and they're, they're, uh, yeah. they've now got three at home. Hey, Newcastle will be pumping. If there's one city that rubs their rugby league, it's the Steel City. And, uh, like, I know Satsy was down there at the last game and it was going off. So uh, three in a row at home, um, up the Knights. Well, that's not the reason we're here. We're here for Mr. Casey. Welcome, Glenn Casey. Glenn Casey. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. Casey, Casey, Casey. Casey, 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 Casey. Glenn Casey, you. welcome to the shed, mate. Hopefully you um, so much. got a feel for our sort of banter there. That was oh. <laughs> 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 uh, I think Casey will keep yeah. up. Yeah, well, You'll be ready, eh? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm trying. <laughs> After he finally got here. It only took Woody, what, two months, three months to get the moons to align to actually get you to the shed. <laughs> yeah. then, then I dropped a pin in fucking the middle of the beach at Seven Mile next to the whale and you were stuck down the fucking... <laughs> Fire trail. <laughs> so, Case, you, I think you know how our, our our podcasts roll, and you fit you fit the sort of uh, I suppose the fit of the ball and all podcast perfectly because you've had an amazing life, an amazing career. It's been um, good. Yeah. Victoria, whereabouts did it all start for you? Uh, I was I was born in the western suburbs. Um, you know, dodging skinheads and you know, <laughs> um, you know, sneaking on buses and getting train rides, and then hitchhiking down the coast and. Uh, how rough was it then? It was pretty rough where I was brought up. As long as, you know, as soon as you went out of our street, you know, you were. Is that like Romper Stomper sort of stuff? <laughs> it was Romper Stomper. <laughs> like, yeah, Russell, yeah, like full Russell Crush. Yeah. yeah, 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 with the cardigans and the. Really? You know, the little tails at the back. Yeah. You know, Mikey Wright style. Yeah. Um, <laughs> worse but, though. But legitimate, funny, yeah. <laughs> they had sort of, you know, the, the, you know, tattoos on their eyelids and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. um, it was pretty scary. So you had to. Sort of watch yourself once you went out of the zone. We 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 were brought up in a nice little street, and we knew all the neighbours and all that kind of stuff. So, but uh, but yeah, we you know I was pretty happy to get out of there and and get down the coast and find my um once I found Torquay and you know started surfing you know it was you know bye bye Western suburbs. Uh, how, how did you find that if you're sort of born and bred in the Western suburbs? Well, um, I actually fortunately one of my mates. Um, his mum and dad divorced and and uh, his father was wealthy. He was a doctor and he had a house at Anglesey. So so as an eight-year-old, they used to take me away. And, uh, yeah, it's the first time I experienced surf and and a, and a Malibu. And me, me and my mate used to walk this massive nine-foot bloody old school Malibu down this whopping big hill to Anglesey Beach and and uh, run over tourists and kill kill the lifeguards and then <laughs> run out of the beach, you know, and get home. <laughs> But it was, uh, yeah, but it was a good start. And um, But then mum and dad saw that, um, you know, had this great love for the ocean. And, and mum, mum was almost an Olympic swimmer. So 
Yeah, because so weren't we, you a competitive swimmer yourself as a kid? Uh, yeah, I did. I did a heap of swimming, um, uh, and then um, yeah, won a lot of inter-school stuff, but never never really went too far with it. But um, uh, you know, certainly couldn't outrun a bloody big shark at you know at the point. Really, but had a had a had a good had a good um, long distance. I could do a fifteen hundred. Could you? You know, really, really well. Yeah. What age were you competing till, sort of thing? Um, Ah, oh, just sort of to the end of before they tried to kick me out of high school um, for doing stupid shit. But um, <laughs> I, um, I suppose I was, yeah, fifteen. I suppose I was, yeah, and I was sort of winning everything up until then. Um, but almost like you know, in the fifteen hundred, I, you know, I could really, um, I don't know, you know, when you sort of sit back and you're sort of looking at the whole field out in front of you, and everyone's yeah. like, oh, what's wrong with Casey, you know, and then, and then um, <clears throat> pick up the pace and. And uh, yeah, Bow him down. Come, full come terminator, come just, eh? yeah, full terminator. <laughs> just like won't go away, won't go away. Got you. Exactly, exactly. That's how so, I. That's how I usually swim. Yeah, yeah. I've seen you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm usually doing that in a rip. <laughs> mostly, mostly in the middle of uh, yeah, middle of the ocean. Really, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So, I don't. yeah, yeah. Well, where 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 were you when uh, our great fifteen hundred swimmers were around? Like when. Uh, Perkins won in Atlanta. Yeah, and Houseman and Houseman. Yeah. And who else do we have? Uh, Hackett. Hackett. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, no, I was, I was, you know, I mean, I'm near 61 now. So did you follow their careers? With I did. Interest, yeah, but? yeah, I did. I did actually. Yeah. Um, I loved all those guys and and um, uh, loved the swimming. The whole, you know, Shane Dawn and uh, what was the name? Yeah, I think it was. Dawn um, Fraser. Oh, Dawn Sh- Fraser. Yeah, Sorry, Dawn Fraser. Shane Gould. <laughs> yeah. that, that was my next door neighbour that yeah, stole my nail bag. <laughs> we but you it, did we, well, though, because we you had Dawn, 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 Shane yeah. Dawn. Shane Dawn. Shane Gould, Dawn Fraser. He done pretty well. Yeah. That wasn't bad, eh? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, how could you forget Marky Spitz? Oh, <laughs> I remember Spitz. Yeah. <laughs> Well, mate, for years, eh? Hey, what was he? He, uh, he had the record. He, was he had the record gold. until Phelps and then um, yeah. basically Phelps turned up, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had the most golds in one Olympics, I think it was. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, 10 or 11 or something, yeah. was it? Phelps yeah, blew it, was, it away. It was yeah, what did Phelps get? He got oh, I think 18, Spitz got six, but I think he got like, I don't know what Phelps. Phelps, now Phelps had to work pretty hard to beat that record, yeah. though. In one, it was in in one Olympics. In one but Olympics. Phelps has got like 24 gold or something. Like it's, uh, he beat some Russian gymnast, I think, who – did hold the record for goals, but yeah. 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 Oh, and she would have been legit from Russia. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it, hell. Uh, Shane Dawn's coming. Yeah, I know. Shane Dawn. It's, it's, it's <laughs> close enough to go. I went. I went. Fuck, is that a name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I knew exactly no. who he meant. I just wasn't sure. I'm going, like, fuck. Did you say Shane Dawn? Yeah. So who, 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 who is it actually? Nearly Shane Dorian. That's what I thought too. So, but we actually mean Dawn Fraser. We meant Dawn Fraser and Shane Gould, two of our most accomplished yeah. Olympic swimmers. Yeah. Because we're talking about well, – somehow we went from uh, under 15, 1,500 metres to Shane Dawn, so <laughs> – I love it. We're already on fire here with Casey. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Yeah. <coughs> so, yeah. so why'd you rack up the swimming? Like, was it just the hours in the pool or just follow on the black line or? Yeah, I I mean, we were a real sporting family. So, you know, I was playing footy and I was playing hockey and playing basketball. So you're you playing know. AFL? No, no, no. No, but my, my older brother almost played AFL, but he, he was a bit lazy, could, you know. Oh, almost as in? 
Played. Yeah, he was going to play Senior. for Essendon. Yeah, and, right. And he went up and trained and, and he just – he loved money. So he turned around and went, I'm out. I'm, I just want to go and, you know, get rich and like your mate Ricky, Ricky Jenkins. <laughs> 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 He's not even close again. Wasn't even, but that's, a, well, that's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny, 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 Billy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brother of Shane Jenny, Dawn. Was it Jenny yeah. Jenkins? Yeah. Jenny <laughs> Jenkins. Wasn't that a song? <laughs> so you didn't play AFL growing up? Yeah, I played. I played uh, from yeah under nines through to under under seventeens. Uh, kicked the winning goal in the under seventeens, um, uh, one by point. So oh, yeah, got, did uh, you? Got the, got cheered the, off on the shoulders. Yeah, no cheered way. off. Oh, the only thing to do was really just to sort of step out. You know, at that point, yeah. it, just, <laughs> it doesn't like, get any better. No, nah, it was like. That's like me with the under twelve roller hockey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got two goals in the grand final and retired that, that yeah. night. Yeah, no, it's just you talk to your manager and yeah. the manager says this is what you're going to do, so you just do it, right? <laughs> who was your manager at the time? So, I think it was Jenny. Jenny down Jenny. there, who was who was your team, but who was your AFL team back in the day, like, or who you? Still- well, I was born in Essen, so it became Essen. But but the uh, the dad was he was ferocious and. Quite, uh, you know, uh, out of an uh, orphanage in Geelong. So he was big time Richmond. So, you know, you just didn't mess with dad. So you just let him buy, you know, the whole outfit. And, you know, you sort of humbly <laughs> jumped in the back of the car and went and watched, you know, the Richmond Collingwood games and dad are getting fights. And are you serious? And, uh, so tell, it, tell us through that. Like child well, of well, yeah. yeah it was, uh, is this at the MCG? MCG. Uh, for, Have you, you know, been to one of those games? <laughs> oh, I, I did. My, my uncle. I do. I, I'm not going to waste. I'll, let me let him tell his story. No, but well, if you, no, the reason I ask you that is if you go to one of those games, even now, you'll understand. Yeah, I get that. But like your dad, yeah. genuinely getting in fisticuffs with yeah. the yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Had a full brawl next to me. Had a dude grab me and pull Jesus. me out. Um, and it was all because someone you know said something to, about Royce Hart. Dad, dad had a I don't know, just this little funny thing with Royce. Had a little Woody um, for Royce. Yeah, had a little yeah. Woody for Royce. Sorry, Woody. Um, <laughs> but he, he, he um, any, anybody said anything about Royce, it was it was on. He just loved him. Um, so yeah, so that that was that was our Satyavo. Dad was just knuckling it with this dude next to me, and uh, and I'm just going, <laughs> what the hell's this? So would you religiously on? go to the G in those days with your dad? Yeah, I for went Richmond to quite games? a few matches, but that that was the end of it. I came home and sat on the, you know. Up on the the kitchen bench, and Mum said, "How was the game, Glenn? You know." And I said, "Oh, Dad, Dad punched this guy in the head about eight times, Mum." <laughs> <laughs> and Mum goes, "What?" You know, and and so um, I wasn't allowed to go to the footy with Dad anymore. So um, a little so, bit disappointing. But then, yeah, I met about eight mates who were all into the bombers, into the Essendon, um, and my my actual best mate that I grew up with, born on the same day, um, his Mum, who had the divorce, and I went to Anglesey um, with uh, she had an affair with Alan Noonan. Remember the the full forward for uh, you sort of the seventies. Um, Alan was incredible, big big mark, great great footballer, um, like a Buddy Franklin style guy. Buddy Franklin, like a yeah. big unit like that. Big unit, you yeah. know the big the big sort of Burt Reynolds kind of ah, mustache, oh, yeah, full straight seven. out of Deliverance, you know? yeah, <laughs> just out there in the full. Forward pocket playing his banjo, but he ended up, ended up. Uh, we we were very lucky because um, obviously like like my mate's mum, Johnny's mum, uh, Johnny. His name was Johnny, um, and uh, we could back then in, at at, at uh, Windy Hill, we, we were allowed to jump the uh, jump the fence and kick a and run out. And uh, Big Al would, Al Noon would be out there 
sort of with his arms out and he'd got to scoop us up. And back then there was fights on the on the ground and, you know, and, and people asking for autographs and all that kind of stuff. So he'd just scoop us up and then just run us up the race. And uh, we did this for a couple of years until he got sick of Johnny's mum. Um, and uh, But we'd sit in there with all the footy players and, you know, Nifty Nev and Tuddy and, you know, all these incredible little sort of experiences and they were always really nice to us and uh, – and one of the one of the great claims that I have is uh, for my I think it was like my eighth birthday, uh, you know you got the usual sort of cake and all the people sitting around the chairs and uh, I turn around and here's Ronnie Andrews the big knuckler, uh, 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 Johnny Cass, um, and this other guy Roberts turned up to my birthday and uh, Pamela Pamela Elam my Johnny's mum had organised this surprise walk in. Oh, how and, and and you know like. You know, I'm in the middle of the western suburbs and, you know, three of the, three of the most amazing Essendon footballers walk down the drive and mom and mate's <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> oh that's <laughs> swinging and, you know, like grab me on the ass and shit. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, it was, yeah, that was, that was pretty amazing. Some of those. Um, that's fucking massive back league. then. Yeah, too. that was massive. That's massive. Yeah. Be massive yeah. now. It'd be Fuck massive yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine Buddy yeah. Franklin rocking up to your 12th birthday. With five <laughs> That's what it's like, though. I think we just Martin to... oh. and a few crew from yeah. Richmond rolling in. Hey, mate, how are you? <laughs> hey, where's your mum? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> She's out the back with Wayne. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So there was no aspirations from yourself or your brother to pursue AFL. I mean, every kid in Victoria seems to want to have a crack. Yeah. Well, yeah, as, as I said, my older brother was 6'4", and he had, you know, hands like a basketball, and he um, he, he won uh, the Essen District uh, best best and fairest four years in a row. So the, the, the Bombers were like, you know, get up here and we want you here and, you know, and offered him a heap, you know, a heap of cash, and, and he just walked away. He just... He just he just started um, uh, a, a thing called um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Timeshare, and Timeshare was just this kind of just just launching in Australia, and he got on that, and he just went, ah, oh, I'm not gonna not gonna go there. I'm just gonna go and make money and drive Porsches and you know <laughs> hang out with hot chicks in Melbourne, <laughs> <laughs> get out of the burbs as quick as he could, get out of the western suburbs. But on him. Um, yeah, yeah, he's uh, but yeah, he was he was a really good footballer. Probably, you know, Alan Noonan, um, and he had a leap on him. Like he could, he could uh, almost jump half his height. You know, he just incredible leap. Like he beat beat Ruckman. You know, six feet tall. Oh, sorry, sorry, six feet six six inches tall or eight inches taller than him. You know, he was it was pretty amazing with his hands. Um, yeah. So yeah, just didn't really didn't really. Uh, Football was a bit a bit rough for me. I I liked it, um, and I was also scared about dad on the you know uh, angry dad on the on the sidelines if I didn't you know um, you know elbow someone or really knock you know get get yeah, get into yeah. him because dad was a brawler. He was brought up brought up in an orphanage and and so he um, he was in a lot of fights. You know he had a kind of a 
Nose that did a left at Albuquerque. <laughs> <laughs> and no teeth. Yeah, no, yeah, a couple of, you know, every night he'd just pull them out and stick them in those glasses. <laughs> I'd go in there, middle of the night, you know, come home from a club. Yes, these teeth talking to you, you know. It was wild. But um, anyway, yeah, Dad, Dad um, he was very disappointed when um, I'd finally found surfing and I didn't, because I wasn't a bad footballer, you know, like had a, had a reasonable um, game on me, but yeah, so he was disappointed because he couldn't scream at me and, you know, punch that dickhead, you know, and hook him and plenty of times, um, three or four occasions where, uh, my old brother pulled my dad out of fights behind our local footy club. Really? Um, he, someone would say something bad and dad would say, all right, go, let's go over here, mate. And uh, he just slipped behind the footy club and just start punching on. It was it was tough as nails, and and uh, not always won. He wasn't a great fighter. He did a bit of boxing in in the orphanage, but um, but uh, my old brother was a better fighter, um, and he often saved his saved his ass. But uh, yeah, there's plenty of those sort of stories. But um, but yeah, I just in a way, I sort of wanted to get away from that. Was it was that, that where, is that how surfing came about? Do you think? Yeah, was I, it a byproduct of that sort of western suburbs upbringing? Yeah, I I think um, I just went, it was like a a family that understood me. You know, like you have you have your your family, and you know you're not sure why you're there, but you were born in it, and and uh, and then at a point you kind of go, you know, this kind of this kind of not working. And then I went down to Torquay when I was about fifteen in the back of my mates Kingswood, and and um, Went to the pub, met met some crew, had a had a surf, um, and just went, wow, this is it, and uh, met so that's what I want to do. And I met people who who were really. So nice what year is common. that? Is that like late seventies, early eighties, or? Yeah, oh, my, well, actually, forty five years ago. Mum and dad got a caravan after I completely became completely, um, you know, uh, possessed by surfing. They they ended up getting a caravan and going down there. My my my. Mother's father died and left the five grand or something. So she went and bought a caravan, 500 bucks, and down we went. And so um, some years we went, some years we didn't. But that was where, you know, and, and the caravan park was like, you know, five kilometres away from the beach and I'd be <laughs> – mum bought me this this board that was really weird and people would be bipping their horns at me and, <laughs> you know, point I'm like, oh, I must know those dudes. <laughs> <laughs> and I got this hand this, – this guy did this school project and uh, made this really strange-looking board. But anyway, I, I, I managed to, uh, you know, bounce off the uh, critiques and the, the uh, and, and get to the beach. That's what you do when you fucking love something so yeah, much, eh? just do. Like how yeah. much you don't give a fuck about it. I just didn't care, mate. I just, nah. I just wanted to – um, sit in the water and 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 uh, and soon as I where would you go? Would it just be the jack? Would you just be like Bird yeah, Rock and Jack? I, yeah, at the start it was just Torquay Back Beach. I didn't go any further. Um, oh yeah, because you <laughs> fucking walking from Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we were in a, a, a caravan park called Zealy Bay, and it's uh, it's about a k and a half around the bay towards Point Impossible. You might have been. There. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, so yeah, so I just yeah shuffle along with my you know um, and. Uh, but I was keen and um, it, it, it stuck and, uh, you know, and then, yeah, my whole life revolved around, you know, walking to the beach and going surfing. So it was, it was a good. Where, so. where, where did you sort of find the avenue of like you, you go down south, uh, find your passion, but when did you think, 
I can maybe make a career out of something around, say, the surf industry? I had um, – basically I was still working in the western suburbs and uh, going back and forth. What and were you doing? I was a fitter and turner. Ah. Yeah, in Footscray. And, uh, and um, I ended up uh, – so I was cruising down and cruising back and, and then um, I – I was, I was, I was actually, I did a whole heap of boxing. I ended up doing yeah, right. about four years of boxing because my dad was like, you know, you're a weak little bastard. So, um, <laughs> go and toughen up. And, uh, so I, I ended up, I, I ended up, um, becoming best mates with a guy at the ammunition factory where I worked and he was Wil- Wilfred Jensen, who was, uh, I think he came second in the Olympics, but, and so I trained with him four years and, and, uh, I got really fit, really strong and my surfing just kind of. In about yeah, probably in a year and a half, it just it just got better and better, and um, and then um, a mate of mine who was a really good surfer, Paul Eddie Hart, he he said, "Can't let's go on the bells and see how we go," you know, like and uh, anyway, ended up getting getting into the first round heat. This is seventies, eighty three. It was eighty three. Yeah, so I was yeah, eighty three trials. Talk, talk me through some of the names in the event that, that stand out. Well, he had then. all those those guys like you know Sean. Um, Thompson, you know, um, Shane Aran, yeah. um, MP was just sort of finishing up. Um, was that, was that sort of second, second tier beyond all those, um, you know, Wayne Lynch and all those yeah, kind of yeah, older yeah. guys. Yeah. Tom Carroll. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so Tom Carroll, yeah. Tom Curran. Um, <laughs> some good well, names. Though. And Oki. MR. When yeah. I, back then you had, um, back then you had the Quicksilver trials. So you had 120 kids from all around Australia turning up, throwing your 50 bucks down and then trying to. Is that how it was then? Like yeah. You could just come. You just roll up. 50 bucks. Yeah. Go to the pub, throw your 50 bucks down, write your name. And you down. had to win that. Uh, yeah. I got equal 13th in that. Yeah. And, and then. That got you into the main round. Yeah. And that got you into the first round. So I surfed against Shane in the Bells. Um, how the waves? It was great. It was, it was six foot, four to six foot was kind of my kind of surf. Um, but I, I just. Yeah, I got this new board and it was going good. And um, who shaped the board? Doug Rogers was his name. He was he's a, he's sort of early rip curl shaper. Um, and uh, and and I'd, I'd actually been riding Morris Cole's boards, but Morris kind of jumped up and went to France and and started um, started up over there. So so yeah, I went. Oh shit! I, you know, I'll, I'll get one of Dougie's boards. And it was one of those kind of somewhere between a Shane Lasers app. You know, with the really pulled in nose and the slightly wider tail, it was somewhere in between that and a normal board. And as soon as I got on, it was like, wow, I could just go anywhere. And you know, so anyway, are, you, are you committed to a thruster by then? Are you on that's just, just yeah, got just started? Yeah, just started. Yeah, had a couple of thrusters off Morris, jumped out of the single fins, um, and then um, yeah, got this Dougie Rogers, which was this really like freaky kind of board, and. Um, so that 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 became my little. It was just one of the, probably one of the most favourite boards. Well, as much as I could remember a surfboard that 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 really kind of um, you know sort of gave me this quantum leap in my performance. So I had the, I was on this high, you know, and I was just catching waves, and it was just like I had this kind of golden aura around me, you know. And um, anyway, speaking of golden aura, I think Shane was <laughs> Shane was some, you know. Uh, 
experimenting uh, a lot. He, 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 his, his eyes was Googling when he came to the beach. I've spoken to him about it after it and he said, look, I was a little scared of you because I, I, was, I heard you were a boxer. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, I knew you were fit, so you were going to out-paddle me and all this kind of stuff. So I, I was a bit frightened, but then, I mean, you know, Shane, why didn't you wear a leg rope? So he, paddle, he paddles out uh, and I said, did you forget it or what was going on? <laughs> yeah. Did it just, you know, material uh, – Anyway, so he so you got up on on Shane. You got the win. Yeah, so I started I started uh, the heat really well and looked around and there's Shane just you know doing swimming the, doing the Shane Gold. It's two hundred meters swim. It's he's one hundred and fifty meters. Yeah, it's far. Right? Yeah, it's a what, lot what on earth swim. wouldn't you wear a leg rope? Right? I couldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> he just forgot he, it. He was just <laughs> I was stoked. I was so stoked. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Something like that. He was screaming blue. Um, but he, he – uh, yeah, so he – and I'm thinking, oh, I got this, I got this. And uh, and then sure enough, you know, you know, when you look through through the top of the waves, I could just Shane, see Shane just – he'd had one good one. I'd had two good ones and, and he just paddled out and I was just on top of this thing and he just swung underneath me and got this wave and beat me by half a point. So <laughs> I, was, I was like, <laughs> you know um, – but, you know, I was just so – I couldn't believe I was there and the whole cliff was full of talky locals and people were just glorifying me for, you know, the next three weeks. And Is it true you're the first Melbourneian ever to surf it? Is that right? What? I, I, I was the first Melbourneian to get into the main event. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Out of, I don't know, it was 60-something years of bells. That's incredible um, though, eh, to think. Did you yeah. know that at the time or was that sort of – that just got trotted who, out later? Who were the, who were the top Vico guys – in that sort of from eighty through to ninety, is it like? Well, it was Tony Ray and yeah. So I kind of grew up with Tony Ray, Brown, Greg Brown. Yeah. Uh, you know, like there was guys like John Darby and um, ah, remember Darbs and yeah, uh, Paul Eddie Hart. Um, they're all great surfers. Look, I'll, I just can't pull it out of my head right now. But um, that was sort of the main Vico yeah. top Vico crew. Yeah, and and so. They were a little bit younger than me, but uh, Tony and, and Dubs ended up trying to do the tour and, and uh, Dubs pulled out and he went uh, – and they were trying to talk me into going and I just went, oh, look, you know, that was sheer luck getting to where I did. I'm I'm really happy. And I, out of that, like all good things, um, some extraordinary things happened and um, my um, – my my great mate Steve Perry, rest in peace, started Oakley. Yeah, uh, Jack's you know, Steve. Wow. Yeah, Jack's Jack's dad, amazing fella, big inspiration in my life. He um he offered me a job in the Rip Curl showroom, and I I just went. Oh, so he offered oh. you a job in the Rip Curl showroom as a salesman selling selling wet. So this is eighty three, eighty four. Yeah, and 80, this, and, and and so he was the Rip Curl sort of ran Rip Curl prior to doing Oakley. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah. so he had um Steve had. Uh, the Rip Curl, he, he he managed Rip Curl retail store. Ah, oh, like the big shop, the big shop there. Yeah, yeah, and then all the manufacturing and everything was out the back where Doug and yep. uh, Doug Warbrick and yeah, those guys um, did everything. All those guys did it, Brian Singer. So so uh, Steve was out front and he was just an absolute champion bloke. And we had we just had heaps of fun. Um, it was it was a really good retail shop. There was you know beautiful girls working there and um, a mate of mine from Portland, Pete Johnson, who was. Um, from the uh, fishing Johnson fishing family, who was mad as as you could get, um, but just funny as, and we just had 
we just we just uh, got up some serious antics there. But um, you could only begin to imagine. Oh, mate, <laughs> what, what actually I'll, I'll tell you. in that like early heydays of the eighties, as oh. Quickie and Rip Curl became like the fucking biggest two companies in surfing. Oh, and. The, yeah. what it would have been like money falling through fucking windows and shit. Oh it? yeah, yeah, it was like to get a weddy, like a new rippy weddy and that. Uh, it was just money. Yeah, it was just money coming in everywhere. It was like that. that but to be a sales rep for that, was it just yeah. like here's a wedding? They're like, fuck <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh fuck, this is this is actually a pretty sick job. This yeah. is pretty easy. Was it and like it, that or? Yeah, it was. It was um, no skills. You didn't need any kind of training. You just just had to have a good laugh and a good smile and and and. You know, be built for the wild. You have to. You traveled. You, to you traveled a lot. Didn't you had to you, sustain some serious all nighters. <laughs> yeah, like, and get up and perform. Yeah, I trained. Yeah. I mean, you know, got a little shake on me now from you know the, the repetition <laughs> of <laughs> staying up late, drinking too much. And, um, but uh, yeah, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That 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 ten years. So uh, was that what? Rippy so from Rippy, you were what eighty three to ninety three? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yep. Yep. So yeah, left and did some some other stuff, but it was incredible. So, so if you just if you just come back to you, one of the biggest inspirations in your life, yeah. Why was that? What like what well, what did he? I mean, obviously you had a fantastic time, but what yeah. did he teach you? I mean, as soon as you mentioned that, you could tell how serious you were talking about somebody who's obviously had a great uh, influence on you. What, I mean, what? Yeah. Were the, um, he was he. We just he took a real liking to me, and I. Um, you know, I was, he called me. He called me the croc. You know, like uh, cro- uh, crocodile, because I was. You know, I'd see someone walk in, and it was. You know, like I'd stalk him just with little those two little. <laughs> oh, eyes the two little. Eyes. <laughs> the and croc. I'd see him going. I like that. The croc. I'd see him going for the like, uh, like, like this over the over the rack. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like over the wedding rack. Stevie, okay. Stevie, would look at me. He goes. You're not even looking at their eyes. You're just looking straight for their wallet to see how big it is, and. Um, and then I just I just get in there and and virtually you know seduce the the wife and you know and then all of a sudden yeah there was eight wetsuits you know two each for the four kids and you know like walking them out like you know slapping the missus on the bum. <laughs> can you and can you just, remember? Yeah, just, what was your biggest day in that shop? Do you reckon, mate? Um, we we did um, I think it was Boxing Day. We did twenty three thousand dollars and it was it in eighty four one day in eighty four. Like it was just printing money, like you said, Woody. Yeah. It was just, uh, you couldn't. Like would you have, but if there's a few of you guys working the floor, is it like, all right, comp C can sell the most weddies today? Like are you going as like you're trying to beat yeah. the record of like 20, weddies, 20 steamers out the door? Or? Yeah, well, I mean, Steve was actually, I don't know his background, but he was actually quite inventive and creative. And so he actually set up these little competitions. So, so you know, he, um, you know, I, I won him a lot, you know, whether I, you know, what I did or didn't, but ended up, uh, you know, and then he'd, he'd come in and go, right, okay, she, we're going up with Leanne. She was the best woman, you're the best bloke, get in the back and then uh, uh, up was before Hummers, but, you know, these weird black limo would turn up and then off we'd go and we'd watch Talking Heads, front row seats. You know, Sick. Like, you know so he was, a, he was a great guy and he, and he um, uh, as much as he, <laughs> he, um, He'd come in, he'd just virtually get out, fall out of his car like at 8.30 in the morning, a cloud of smoke. Um, and and then by the time 10 o'clock came around, he had his cream puff and his four coffees. He, he'd snap into it and get all serious. And um, <clears throat> But he, 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 was, he was a really spiritual guy. Like he actually introduced me 
um, it was a sort of period there. I went through a bit of a hard time. Um, and he kind of, yeah, he kind of guided me into um, and introduced me to a guy called Ted Spencer who was a yeah. really amazing old surfer who was hanging out in town. I ended up um, hitting it off with Ted and and um, and Ted's, and you know, he was regarded as one of the best surfers in the 60s and, and uh, incredible surfer. Kind of pioneered a lot of shit, eh? And yeah. a lot of people fo- either followed or copied or really got yeah. onto his whole – Vibe, eh? Absolutely. That, that's true. That's true. And yeah, Brocky says that a lot. Like yeah. Mentions that a lot, that a lot of people were either influenced or just did whatever he was doing. Yeah, absolutely. And he he loved George and they still talk. Like I speak to George a bit and he always says, oh, I just spoke to Ted. He, you know, he said to say good day. And so he grabbed the spoon um, at that time of the shortboard revolution. He grabbed George's spoon and and, and virtually just said, all right, I'm, I'm having a crack at this because He's a reasonable shaper and he could make fins and George taught him a lot of stuff. So he's cut down this little board um, and uh, I I think it was in Morning of the Earth and and Ted's just riding this kind of like six for five ten or something um, little spoon and ripping. Like he's the best surfer by far in in one of those movies. I think it was Morning of the Earth. It is, yeah. Yeah. And and he got all that out of hanging out with George and, and, and doing all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I was... Yeah, fortunate enough to um, spend a bit of time with him, and um, and he he just completely pulled out, and he was uh, he was sort of following a, a teacher guru in um, in Hawaii, and and just and, and just lived over there, and pulled right out, won't do an interview, won't talk to anyone from surf, um, yeah, just, just but still surfs, still um, she's out there, you know, the the South Shore every day, having a surf and doing his things, doing his thing, make makes t-shirts and. Um, yeah, that's uh, that was Ted. But Ted, yeah, he's a really, really good guy. Steve introed him to me, and then I met um, one of the one of the great founding kind of guys in the surf industry down there. That um, Simon Buttonshaw, who was uh, an incredible artist, um, he started um, the whole Quicksilver board short movement and all the the artwork for that, and did a lot of um, created a lot of um, prints and um, and sort of yeah, just turned you know, the whole corner of, of the, the industry and, and gave us, gave us some really, yeah, fresh new stuff. And, um, and I ended up coming out of that meeting with Ted and meeting Simon and, and then Simon, myself, Wayne Lynch and John Darby, you know, we all surfed together for about 20 years, you know, down the coast. And, and, um, so all that, all that kind of synergy of, uh, that, that thread of, you know, um, sort of, you know, people, people turning you, uh, turning your life on, on a slightly different curve, and and uh, and it was all for the better. Simon was a really amazing guy, and Wayne, as you know, Wayne Lynch was sort of the, he was like a like a sort of big brother. You know, he just sort of, um, he, you know, he was really smart, but he shaped all my boards and and um, scared the shit out of me. He took me surfing in these <laughs> massive days down the coast and. Probably moving along a bit fast here, but yeah, was it so. was he the best of that sort of? He was unbelievable. Like, um, and was he the, was he sort of the premier shaper as well? He was. Um, I reckon. I reckon Wayne, um, because he'd come out of that '60s shortboard revolution and started to. He, he was very influential in changing the whole um, direction of surfboards and and the way he surfed. You know, he was really kind of radical, and you know, did 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 
backhand re-entries when everyone else was kind of going straight. He was actually ahead of the head of his time um, and got overlooked in a lot of contests and all that kind of stuff. But I was fortunate enough to, um, yeah, get in uh, get in the back seat of his Land Rover and and uh, go surfing and and um, yeah, I mean, mate, the guys are absolute powerhouse. Like more 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 courage and heart than. I've seen that guy do some just incredible things. I just like go, oh no, you know, like. So yeah, it was. <clears throat> so you're basically talking about like going down to Two Mile Reef and places <laughs> like that, and just going, I've got a knee injury and I don't yeah. want to get out of the fucking car. Is that what you mean? Or? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once, just, like, just get out. Is this just a real heavy wave, is it? Is it just a- Two Mile? Like a lot? Are you talking about going that way? Like, yeah. So going, yeah. I guess it's. Southwest, sort of mm. of Torquay. Is that how you call, is that where you go? West Coast or yeah. West? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like just it just yeah. It's like there's no shelf. It just gets all the swell from all those big fronts that come and move down around the bottom of, of Australia. Really, yeah, they sort of hit Margies and come yeah. through the bite and then get to. So, like, obviously, everyone talks about bells and everything and winky and that, but there must be some just incredibly. Big waves now around another areas, ten uh, hours till till South Australia, isn't there? And what's those ten yeah. hours of surf basically until you get or, or, like yeah, ten hours of coast. But yeah. there's a lot of coast that's like, I guess it's oh. not. There's no towns or anything like yeah, that. Right. Yeah, got, yeah. You really got to work to find shit. But there's yeah. amazing waves around. Yeah. What's the scariest <laughs> day you've had with Wayne? Well, uh, I'll I'll never forget. It's just like right there in the front of the file. This um this day him and I surfed it, and it was. Uh, Surfed we, we, where uh, it was two mile, yep. but we left. We left. Um, uh, we left Bells. I, I checked Bells sort of on light, and I'm like, "Oh god, that looks sort of pretty big." And Wayne's like, "Where are you? Get down here!" And so we yeah jumped in the same car, went down another hour half south, and um, and I'm looking at it, going, "My god, that looks that's the biggest where that you know it looks bigger than anything I've ever surfed." And I mean, I enjoyed it up to sort of twelve foot. 15 foot was like, whoa, but this was like, uh, 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 no, this is, you know, and it was like that, um, yeah, I, I want to fall over and hurt my knee type <laughs> stuff. <laughs> drive off this cliff. cliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Wade's like, come on, come on, you know, let, let's go. And we jumped out and uh, I went out um, a bit further wide and uh, sat there and, uh, and and sure enough, I I went inside Wayne got a wave and I'm like, oh, God, Wayne's got a wave. Now he's going to be like my dad. You know, he's going to paddle out and go, why haven't you got one? You know, like get a wave, you know. And uh, so I I basically paddled for this wave that was a solid 12 foot, maybe bigger. Missed it, kind of got blown off the back and turned around and here's the biggest wave that's ever rolled me. It was 20 foot plus. And I just it was slow mo and it just went boom <laughs> like that. And uh, I went, oh, Wayne's killed me. Like it was one of those. I had to blame someone for my <laughs> stupidity. I was in this. I was in this spot. I was like, "Oh no, I'm actually going to die right now." And uh, and so, thankfully, a couple of couple of big ones rolled me, and I got washed all the way in. And and I look over, and I could just see the whites of Wayne's face. He was just laughing. He's just sitting in the channel, going, <laughs> "You know." And and he looks at me, and I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we go in. We go in. Like like yeah, yeah. you know, like a little grommet, you know." He goes, uh, uh, <clears throat> that's just the beginning, son. Let's go. Follow me. Let's go. And we, we surfed for three and a half hours um, wow. and I probably only got about four waves. But we paddled out and Wayne was watching these 18, 20-footers coming from way up the reef. You must have been shitting yourself paddling oh, back out. I shit myself. I was like, was like, yeah, like 
my whole body was shaking, but then I was, I was trying to control it. And, and then sure enough, the, the, the train wreck happened when I look up, Wayne's gone, I just heard him go, fuck it. And, and, and I'm like, what's he doing? Where's he going? And he, he paddled 30 metres up, up the reef to this spot where this, these freight trains were coming through. And, and he took off and just on this 20-footer, legit 20-footer, and I'm sitting there just going, oh, my God. And, and he fell out. Fell about ten feet, and then he landed on his back. He's a goofy, so he, he landed on his um, left left ankle leg, and he's got one up, one leg up in the air, and he's doing this winding up the you know the the taxi windows, <laughs> or whatever, and he's and he's still trying to hang in there. And then finally he's leant forward, and and sort of half pulled it off, and then the lips just gone, <laughs> bang, and cracked him in the back, and he just he went for a footy field underwater. And I was like, oh, 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 he's dead. And then I had that, you know, Laird Hamilton moment where you have to save your mate. You've got to go in and risk your life. And and uh, and finally Wayne's popped up and, um, yeah, and it's still to this day, you know, it, you know the, the most scariest but the most unbelievable feeling I've ever had, you know, sitting on the beach after it and surviving oh. it. You know? <laughs> Just being on the dry sand, eh? Oh, such an incredible feeling. Having and a beer, that everything tastes better, everything yeah, looks better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you go you know, in after that wave? No, we. There's actually uh, in in Wayne's movie. There's a couple of couple of good waves that I got in in Wayne's. It's called Uncharted Waters. Wayne's movie, and uh, there's a couple of waves. Wayne um, uh, uh, getting wiped out. Wayne broke his board at the end of the session. I'd sort of retreated in and gone, check you. I'm, I'm, I'm still alive. I'm just belly boarding in. <laughs> it's about a cane and a half paddle. And uh, sure enough, um, turn around, standing on a mate on, on the pier who's just like, oh, what are you guys doing out there? And turn around and here's freaking Wayne swimming down through the um, – with half – sort of a half a board dangling behind him. And then he literally picks the board up and sort of boogie boards down the side of this cliff and swims across the rip. <clears throat> and comes in and uh, it's just like, you know, when you think of it, you know, born in the western suburbs, you know, the most radical thing I probably did was, you know, jump a couple of humps on my pushy when I was young. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and here I am falling down, you know, 15-foot freaking waves. And, yeah, it's one of those stop the world kind of moments and have a good good think of, you know, how far you've gone, how what, what, what you've evolved to and, and, and who you've become. And um, so it was. It was a pretty special day that one. Isn't uh, it? Isn't it crazy? But how vivid memories can be yeah. when you're so fucking petrified. <laughs> I, you know, yeah. and you can't remember what happened this morning, but you can remember no. something from that no. long ago because of like how yep. clear you're thinking because of how much fear is in your body. It's it's crazy yeah. how that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's um. That was that was the. I guess after that, but like going and stuff in bells or anywhere that was like reasonably heavy in your yeah. closer area would have been just a fucking breeze. Yeah, it? yeah. Like we had, well, not I, a breeze, but you know, obviously nah. not as intimidating. Yeah. After that, we had plenty of. There was a there was an uh, bells eighty one, which was legitimate fifteen foot, and um, a lot of guys were really, you know, um, it, was, it was during the bells comp. I actually went away, and um, but we had. We had, I guess, half a dozen days like that, and it was. I mean, even though bells can get quite, quite serious when it gets big, it actually goes out onto another whole another reef right out the back, um, and um, 
and so you know, some some nice hold down sort of stuff out there. But but um, yeah, after that twenty footer, I just wasn't worried. I just was like, yeah, not, nothing's really gonna kind of kill me, I suppose. Um, and uh, and I surfed some really beautiful big days outside Bells and Winky Pop, and I was very fortunate, you know, surfing that whole '80s '90s um, period. There wasn't wasn't many around, and not not like not saying that a lot of that older generation they just they just couldn't be bothered I don't think they like a lot of them were tough and and quite good watermen but they just didn't really want to go out on those really big days so we'd often surf it on our own and um or a couple of guys had come out you know you guys like Brownie and all those um guys would, would always be out there but Wayne had come around from he was he was about 20 minutes uh, more west and he'd come around and surf big big bells and we'd have it you know all, all weekend to ourselves, go home, have something to eat, come back, still no one out there, <clears throat> you know, hardly anyone out there. Um, what would it be now? Well, the there's, a, there's a whole new vanguard of guys on, you know, dine footers and ten footers and and um, the, the, there's a big wave, there's a really big wave um, generation that's sort of – Led Ford, by our last, our last live guest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Ross, Ross Clark-Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, that – you know, Ross is a freak. He's he's just incredible. Um, I think he could use other words to describe him. I know, yeah. as well as freak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, there's not many like Ross. I mean, um, but uh, you know, Ross was sitting here. He'd say how amazing you know Wayne surfed in those kind of big days. Um, but but yeah, Ross Ross and I surfed a lot in in some big big beautiful bells days and the pumping day. Now they'd be. It'd probably be six, yeah. a six foot day. There'd be fifty odd guys <coughs> yeah. out. You reckon? Yeah, it's 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 really it's really crowded. And even when it, yeah, when it gets really big, there's you know there's, forty guys. There's out. still forty guys on big boards. Yeah. Um, some great big 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 wave guys. All all my slightly older mates, kids are all in their thirties now. All all um have a crack. Really good, really yeah. good big wave guys. Really good. Um, and uh, a couple of them went over to Jaws and surfed. You know, thirty foot. Jaws with those guys, you know, they're, they're pretty pretty amazing guys. But so yeah, that was yeah. So the showroom in the showroom at Quickie, knocking out twenty three grand days. <laughs> what was the what was sort of the impetus to to move on from from Rip Curl? Um, I, I actually um, I had my best mate who I grew up with in in Essendon, Western suburbs, and we were ducking and weaving the skinheads and all that kind of stuff. He um. He, he did had, he surf? Yeah, and he he had the the, the main sales job at um, at at Quicksilver, and uh, <clears throat> um, and I was doing rip curl wetsuits and accessories and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and he he, um, he passed away. He had an asthma attack um, <sighs> on the cliff um, at that tomb hole, and uh, and he um, you know his name was Wilbur Wild. And uh, he was he's hilarious. He, him and me together, you know, um, you know, at some some crazy event, people would just sit there and clap him. You know, he was he was hilarious stand up. He could have been, you know, Jim. You know, what's his name? Jim. Jim. Yeah, he's one of those. Shane Dawn, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, brother Rob. <laughs> brother Rob. So he, uh, yeah, he. Um, so he he um, went down the coast and uh, had a new girlfriend and. Forgot his little ventolin and uh, had a massive asthma attack oh. on the cliff. So, so we lost him, and um, sadly, and that was that was a big turning point. 
in um, in my life, and and ended up um, he uh, my one of my close mates was doing Rusty and Stussy and a few other brands, and so it was just like this, uh, you know, uh, musical chairs. You know, we all just kind of shuffled around. I was doing Rip Curl, so I did ended up doing Rusty and Stussy, and he went off and did Quicksilver and took over Wilbur's job, and um, uh, and then I ended up I was already an agent, so at that time which which i loved because it was so flexible and you had no boss you know um you, you know as long as you took a little you know bag of buds into you know your, your sales manager at uh, rip curl and and seduced him on a friday afternoon <laughs> um you could you could, actually, you could you could you could get through you know a month of not turning up and and um where's casey oh, i don't know yeah we had two we had, mile we had um yeah, we had a, 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 um, a great, great friendship, this Ray Thomas. He's a great surfer in his day, but um, all, all, all the old vanguard at Rip Curl were, were fantastic. So we, yeah, so anyway, um, uh, I, I love the agency style thing and so ended up rolling out an agency for about 30 years where… When they, you say agency, that's like distribution business? Yeah, yeah. you actually, well, you manage it and, and pay for your own expenses and, yep. and, and run it like your own business. Yeah. So, so I, uh, I had an office in Torca and then I had an office in South Melbourne and, and so basically it, yeah, it takes, takes away a lot of expenses for, for, for Rip Curl or whoever. But anyway, in that, in that shuffle where I ended up getting, um, you know, the new, <clears throat> the new gig, I, I ended up doing some pretty big turnover and, um, and, and ran Rusty and Stussy in, in, um, in the Melbourne warehouse and, and had about four or five staff working for me and and um, then uh, I'd kind of go surfing and at, at that time I, I bought some land down at Joanna, down down south, bought a, bought a little place in the bush there and built a, a little roundhouse and so I'd sort of go down there most of the weekends and when the surf was good. Um, Wayne had a, had, a, had a block of land next to me and... Um, <clears throat> So we'd both go down there like whenever the waves were going to be on the next day and stay there. And, and mobile phones had just, just come out. You had those big mobile phones with the oh, aerials. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they had a mobile. You pull up, <coughs> unvelcro, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. point it towards the stars. <laughs> yeah. So you just the big sort bricks. of yeah. – Yeah. In the old days, you know, you'd go to the, the, the phone booth and, you know, hit the – you know, hit the numbers and you'd press zero to get your messages and, you know, and your, your boss Ray Thomas would be on there, you know, going, where the hell, where the hell are you, where's me, you know, <laughs> come in this Friday, have a beer, you know. And so you were connecting, you know, yeah, like once a week, once a month. Um, do you, like, I don't want to get off tab, but in the, do you miss those times now in today's like where you're so yeah. contactable? If you haven't got back to an email within 10 minutes, people are going, what, this guy's a rude prick. Like how's yep. it, how yeah, do you well, manage that sort of time? Well, well was, you, have you been busy, Beric? No, <laughs> I've never, I've never I've no, I don't know what his experience. I kind of hear people yeah. talk about it. Oh, it's funny because I had this, <laughs> I, I had this epiphany just recently and um, I ended up changing my, my mobile and not giving it out. And uh, I went away for a month and uh, just without like the old days, like, you know, the, the 80s. And, and I just wanted to experience the time that I actually was wasting on um, just getting back to people that, I don't know, like maybe weren't important mates or important or they wanted something or and, – and, and I didn't want to go into judgment of it I, and it wasn't my job to sort of 
scrutinize. It might have just been an emotional connection or, a, you know, some sort of an attraction to me, which is kind of rare. Um, but anyway, no, but I, I, I ended up. <laughs> uh, but I had, I had um, yeah, just this. So I did it. And, um, did and I, good? I've never had a day where my phone hasn't rung 10, 12 times. Yeah. And I had days where not one call. I, I think I had 48 hours where I didn't get a call. And, and I was – at first I kind of had this little meltdown, a bit of anxiety because mm. I was like, oh, 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 you know, and I was trying to stay off social media, which is hard for me because I'm, <clears throat> you know, the humble bragger, you know, the <laughs> um, try and look humble but you, you just love bragging, you know, you love talking about yourself. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> I love that, the humble bragger. The humble bragger. <laughs> so I, <clears throat> so uh, I think I did one little reel amongst it from all the fun I was having trying to make people jealous. Um, but I got abused. I kind of came back from there and people abused me but for not, know, for not taking not calls, them yeah. their, my number and and, um, and it wasn't intentional to hurt them. It was just an experience that I wanted to kind of go through again and because um, I had experienced that, I wanted to go back to that time where there wasn't computers and there wasn't phones and we were talking, we were connecting through um, phone booths uh, where you were pulling phone over, booths. you were driving around. What the around. fuck is a like, phone you know, booth? It was like trying, <laughs> trying to find Barnsley's house and having directions from, from Woody. Woody. <laughs> You'd have to go no. into Lennox and oh, find go, the phone booth to ring Woody. Three hundred six and three thirty two or whatever. <laughs> oh, it so, just it, like it makes. I reckon it must have like the experiences I can remember before I had one was just like. You look for your mate's bike at, at someone's house, you know, like those, yes, all, all the bikes yes. are at someone's house or you're like, oh, oh, fuck, they're all there. Or you see the bikes at like in front of the pub at the beach. Oh, they're, <laughs> fuck, they're already out there. Yeah. Or you do mm. the, or you do, you go stand in front of the pub yeah. and you look for where the crowded peak is on the shore is and you're like, oh, they're fucking down there. And you're running <laughs> down, like, you know, down towards the surf club or whatever uh, it is. Uh, it was like that, but. <clears throat> You'd surf away. You could surf away for three weeks before anyone knew there was a bank. Like yeah. shit like that, yeah. you know. It wasn't yeah. like there's a camera on every, you know, surfline camera on every beach or whatever. Like it, people know now, like from the Goldie, yeah. like, oh, fuck, <clears throat> there's, wa there's waves down North Wall. There's waves that rah, 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 they know you, yeah. you don't get a week or two. Yeah. You get a day. What did that teach you, that period? But Well, I, I, could, I could read weather maps. I actually – the, the the wetsuit cutter at Rip Curl in the early eighties. He um I was the uh, perfect medium tall. Um so I was his model, and so I spent a lot of time with Sparrow. His name was Sparrow, and he's uh, an absolute legend down there, and he's still with us. Um, but uh, yeah, he was quite old and and uh, grumpy. But he, he I'd go I'd sneak in there and go, hey Spaz, you know, he'd go what'd you call me? I was like, no, I was like, Sparrow. Um, <laughs> what's the um. <laughs> What's what's the surf doing this week? And he goes, ah, oh, well, and he just went into it. The stars are here, the moon's there and there, but when the footy high is in the bite, and the lines are doing this, and there's a low pressure down off bloody Tassie, it's going to be eight foot. <clears throat> and then, so he taught me over like you know, where you had <clears throat> to look for the right low and the yeah. right high, and, <clears throat> and the fronts that sat inside that football high. Um, if there was a front too close together, it diminished the swell and, and it made it really lumpy and, and created an interference in the uh, swell line that was, you know, oodles of swell down there in the Roaring Forties in Bass Strait. So, so as soon as those lines dropped off and it was just this one stream of – it was eight to ten foot and every time 
I saw that map, I'd be fanging in, you know, from some sales run up and Wangaratta and, and getting back and, you know, pulling out the wedding and getting ready for the morning. So, so Sparrow taught me all that stuff, you know, you know, pre, pre, uh, you know, uh, buoy reports and, and uh, all the stuff that, you know, it, it's, a, it's such a quick, quick transaction now um, to analyze what, where you're going to go, what you're going to do and, you know, what, you know, which is convenient because life is fast and we're all, you know, um, you know, doing lots and lots of things and, you know, we, we're trying to prioritize time with kids and all that sort of stuff. So, so it's kind of, you know, it's good, but it was great because we got a lot of surf to ourselves. Like we, we would, especially a guy like Wayne and, <clears throat> and myself, we could read maps and we were just looking going, Oh, there's a spike there. And, uh, the, the swell, the, the front had dropped out and you could, you could see a, um, you know, four or five foot rise in the swell. No one was onto it. So, so we'd, we'd get a lot of good surf, you know, before people even knew what, what the, the Herald Sun little three maps, you know, synoptic maps were, were, were saying. Do you remember they had maps in the paper, eh? I remember yeah. seeing that. That's yeah, a full weather for that, I had the same thing. Uh, like, MB, this doesn't... MB would... MB would did, you used to, did you used to buy the paper to look at the map? Nah, well, Fuck it was, it was near... No, but no. it was near the sports <laughs> section. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was near the sports section. The, it was, yeah, next to the... um, Just near the, where the massages was. And the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, now we're going really old school. Like, yes. back in the day where you'd prank the sex line. Yes. Like, hey, how are you? <laughs> it's James here. Press, yeah. press one front. to... Yeah. <laughs> Press one to speak to Shane Don. Press two to speak to, <laughs> to, speak to Dawn Fraser. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what do you reckon has taught you like that that period of time? I, I actually think that's probably we should probably all do that. Just turn every ink off for it's a bit. Period of Rasta, of was it the Tuesday? Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday. Where he does yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, off. yeah. I remember reading that or that, that he didn't speak on Tuesday. You heard it on our podcast case. Oh, I did actually. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I remember that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah Tuesday. Tuesday. Until Tuesday. his mate came up yeah, to him yeah. in the car park. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He, was he used up. to sit on Rock's Nerd and yeah, all yeah. that sort of shit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we all go through those kind of yeah, experimental um, periods. I mean, for me, uh, in, in, that, <clears throat> in that early stage with Simon is that uh, we, we actually, um, it was quite, quite handy not, not to have too much communication because uh, – you know, we we were sort of, I guess uh, Simon sort of came out of the '60s, and it was you know, you know, the Grateful Dead and the psychedelics and all that kind of stuff. So he was kind of like this. He's like a guru. Like he he was he was so learned, and he read all this incredible information. So, um, so we, we <clears throat> I started yoga then, and and started kind of you know read up a bit similar to him. At, and he was a big influence in that way and, and um, he was an artist so I'd sit there and watch him paint and then <clears throat> and then we just decided after one day we'd have this, you know, um, big LSD trip and, and experiment and, and take, take our minds out to this, to this other level. And, and what was this for? To like work out what you wanted to do in life or <clears throat> it was just, yeah, it just was, to get an idea of what was next? I, I think for me, I, I – I was always seeking and wondering what the hell was going on with, you know, the world and, and why were we here and who, who, who were we? And, and so I had this, I had this kind of, so I'm going, well, you know, like the shamans in 
you know, and the Mentawis do it or Amazon, they're all, they're all got these little, you know, um, kind of pathways to, to understanding who you are and what, you know, um, uh, you know, the medicinal, you know, medicine side of that, that kind of stuff. So, so anyway, we did this, did this freaking thing and <clears throat> lo and behold, I just blew my head off. Like, like <clears throat> have never been the same since. And <laughs> I, I, I would not, I would not, in a way I wouldn't if recommend in a, it. In a good way or? Well, it, it. It, what do you mean by that? There's a certain way you looked at the world and now you look at it completely different? Is that what you mean? Completely or? different. and Not like you <clears throat> got six more personalities, not, <laughs> not like that? I, I think six personalities got on for the right. I mean, I literally got <laughs> I, I got up in some sort of spaceship and never came back and, it's, and that's what they say is that you have this kind of view of the world um, in, in a spiritual sense and that – but I was – I would say that I was a little bit half wacky for – five or six years it blew it blew me into little bits you know it was quite dangerous and, really? and i wouldn't yeah. i wouldn't condone it in that uh in this day and age um the slow road and yoga and meditation i do a lot of meditation now and and um but for quite a few years there i i was lucky that i wasn't contactable because there were some days i just i couldn't i couldn't deal with the world and so it, it created this juxtaposition of um are we talking depression there, or what are you talking? Uh, like, or I, just I would more? say that I would say that I had an incredible amount of anxiety. It created just this um, because you, you you got out of your mind. You became a kind of witness of your thoughts and your mind, and you, and and it was. And so, I, so were you doing this continually, or was this just this a, one trip that kind of set you really? I, I I did I did it spasmodically after that, and it became. This was the the kind of the big one that blew the lid off. You know, it was like you know the full big, you know, couple of couple of tabs. And uh, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this stuff. No, we are, mate. Because I think what's fascinating <clears throat> now is that this stuff is coming back into vogue. Like you've, you yeah. know, you got some of the biggest universities, especially in America, all studying yep. this sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, for it's you know to be able to help people. So yeah. Yeah, I'm fascinated because I've never done anything like that and it's kind of – I'm interested to hear your perspective on what you sort of felt. Yeah, well, I, I actually um, – I've seen all the latest – I keep up with it. Yeah. a bit of the, um, you know, the, the, the uh, psilocybin and MDNA yeah. sort of experiments where they take people into sort of altered feelings and states uh, to clear maybe a psychosis or, you know, to help with anxiety or depression. I know people that microdose – um, is that what you're talking about, Barnsley? That that t- sort of yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. And um, but I just yeah, I suppose that, like w- with what you said, it's kind of happened. I'm 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 fascinated. Yeah, yeah. and so really, because uh, I know you guys are right behind this whole mental illness and and um, and and being active and and being present um, is not an easy place to get to sometimes because you're you're actually if you've brought been brought up and you got a bit of this and a bit of trauma and a bit of depression mm. and a bit of that or you've done something wrong and you can't kind of get over it, um, by understanding what your mind's job is and seeing your mind for what it is and being able to witness your mind as a separate entity, not as, you know, you, then um, you can clear a lot of stuff and that's what this whole this whole legalisation of all this has come through because – you know the the Mayan cultures and all these all these uh, Mexican cultures and all that they they were uh, some of the earliest 
people to introduce it, you know, to the to the West, and people had just completely fascinating and um, these incredible learning experiences, which changed their life forever. Which mine did, um, but I, I would say that I wasn't. It took me a fair while to integrate everything that had been broken into little bits, and and um, and I thank thank God Simon was there that that sort of um, sort of helped me through some sort of tough spots because it was um but um would I do it again and um, would I suggest you know I, in in a in a clinical in a different setting I would I would probably um advocate for it to you know help some kid who's suicidal or you know he um can't get around some sort of mental illness or some sort of depression worth a go with a with a proper practitioner in a, yeah. in, a in a very diagnosed you know, proper setting, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how we got on the subject, but it, it, basically, the um, that 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 point in my life, I kind of had this really easy job, no communication, and I kind of got slapped around so hard. Um, uh, I lost my mate; he died, and all this stuff. There was just a whole host of us had a pretty heavy breakup, and I just was going through a real hard time, and and. Um, and uh, this really helped me through, you know, in, in the long run, you know, and, and when I popped out the other other side and since, you know, 40 years of yoga and meditation and all the good diet and all those sort of things, which which I've sort of followed, <coughs> um, uh, it, it, it's, it's borne fruit. And so it's – but at the time it was like, whoa, you know, I've really wait, wait, messed things up. When um, Barnsley touched on, you know, was it depression or anxiety, like on the – sort of edges where, where do you reckon the do you reckon it was built up in anxiety yeah i i think just my upbringing with my father yeah uh we we uh i i had a hard time with him i didn't i didn't like the way he treated my mother and um i i um he scared the shit out of me it was so was it similar for your brother nah my my, my older brother and him sort of same animals uh, yeah, in a way, okay. and I just felt like that's why I wanted to get out of there pretty quick because I just um, my younger brother Mark, um, a bit like me, and but but, but he was younger, and um, but when my dad was drinking and all all the stuff that was going on, um, I yeah I I just had this, um, and I think I was un- undiagnosed ADHD and all those kind of almost on the spectrum of. Oh, everyone on the table. We're all on the here, spectrum, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we're all on the spectrum. <laughs> Barnsley's like right up here. I, I'm about yeah. middle, and I think Woody's down here. So it's all right. No, that's you, why you I feel so at home. Yeah. 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 No, I'm not sure about Ray, but <laughs> right. So yeah, I think I think um, uh, that um, you know all, all, all those things combined and a really bad. I had a just real hard time at school and um, and I got in all sorts of trouble and and so I just. Um, I just carried that, and until mm. something kind of came in and just went, all right, look at that, and and uh, and and work on it. And I did. I, I worked on things that I thought I could never integrate and and get whole again, and start feeling happy and positive and feeling my heart again um, through a lot of spiritual soul searching and reading, and um, and uh, yeah, I won't say that came out of. Um, just that one big boom trip, but 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 all the the awakening of that, and then the opportunity to know that my mind's not fixed and it's not mm. 
it's it's generally just a patent um, uh, set of memories that that come in the form of in your mind and it, it sits right through the electric cellular system of your body. So it goes into the, into the body and all sorts of you know the mind body connection. So all that stuff you know, you're feeling those anxieties in your chest and heart and whatever is is all due to this um, you know part of your mind that was sort of stolen and robbed and pulled out of your wholeness. You know you're you're born this beautiful little kid um, in this you know supposed loving world, but um, this this is the shit that happens and so it's happening mm. to a lot of kids and uh, I'm really concerned about a lot of things that I see out there and and um, and so you know where I get the chance I, I talk to people and and feel as if I've got you know something to offer there and that I have created a witness I have I see my mind each day in meditation and it's just this you know little little mate that you know remembers stuff. <laughs> has nothing to do with me. It's just sitting So up what's there. your first – I mean, if we just stay on that subject for a sec, what's your first – It's a great way to look at it. Eh? It is. Well, what's your first port of call if Condo's sitting on the other side of the table and I'm a, I don't know, let's say an 18-year-old kid that's struggling a little bit, getting a bit down on himself, you know, maybe slightly depressed, lots of anxiety about the world and what I'm going to do or whatever. What's your first port of call of advice? Well, <clears throat> look, essentially you've got to get them moving. And you got to get them um, well, in in their bodies because when we surf, um, our mind becomes so exercise. tranquil. Mm. Yeah, and, and water's a really powerful um, conduit for you know calming the mind. Um, mind's air, so it's just just this flurry of of thoughts. And um, but one of the great things that saved me quite a few times um, was that realizing that um, it's it's like this this uh, railway station and, and, and you're the sort of conductor over here and the, and the trains are always coming through. There's always a thought and, and you're the conductor that can make a choice uh, whether you want to step onto that train and go for a run and check it all out and, and, and sit in that anxiety or sit in that depression and, mm. and actually um, get lost in, in that, in that uh, feeling or emotion for half an hour or you can decide that, I am only witnessing and I'm the conductor and I'm, I have a choice. So I'm not going to go. I'm not going to get on that train. I'm going to let it go. Um, and that can be a superficial platform. Um, but at least you've got a moment to say, all right, well, because um, I, I, I don't believe in that, you know, some people say, oh, if you kill yourself, you know, you're, you're out of it for, you're not coming back to earth for a hundred years and all these kind of, you know, biblical kind of connotations about, um, people that commit suicide you, you can you can go and take your life that's okay but as i was saying um you know you, you die an asshole you'll be born as an asshole you kill yourself you'll you'll be born again with that same mental thought pattern and you'll continue that behavior and that's that's the worst thing about these kids stepping off the planet and and uh the greatest thing that I would say to a young kid is, is that you need courage to get through this world. I'm 61. I had a, a fantastic um, 30 years surfing a coastline Hawaii and I now I'm in this beautiful place on the Northern Rivers having a, having a ball. But I, it's not easy, you know, trying to, trying to get 
to the end of this road. My body's dying. My shoulder's out. I've got two new hips. Um, I'm trying to stay fit. I'm trying to get to the end. But <clears throat> every day's every day's you got to be you got to be courageous and and you've got to take it on. And and you know this this whole um, turning and and uh, you know surrendering and taking your your life. It's just um, it's just sad because they're that mental pattern is going to be in their brain forever and a day and they'll continue it and they'll break all their family's heart and they'll break the loved ones that, you know, are in complete loss um, over losing this kid that they loved and brought into the world. And um, going off the track a little bit, but but basically I just think that if we get better as a as a, as a um, – as a culture, you know, like all you guys, um, you know, watches what you're doing and all this inclusion. This is this is a it's a, it's a micro family in a, in a in a in a you know big town, and 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 what you offer these kids is just just this complete support and and caring and 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 love for them because we're all looking for love in the end. We all just want to mm. be held and loved properly. Maybe our parents, you know, and I don't. I've forgiven my dad, and I don't, you know. I don't hold it against him now, but it took me a long while to forgive him, and um, and I feel feel okay with it now. But um, and I've never had sort of suicide um, qualities, but uh, thoughts or whatever. But but I, I've many times haven't wanted to be here, but I just always had that courage that I'd I'd push on and um, I'd keep trying to you know feel better every day, and and I do now. I kind of you know I read a lot, I chill out a lot, and um, don't don't get too serious about it all and don't try and possess too much and, and just uh, enjoy, enjoy the, enjoy this. This is life. Well, Case, before we get to the ball bag, we haven't touched on, um, <laughs> let's get back on track a little bit. We haven't touched on uh, Patagonia. Yeah. The yeah. Can, can you, can you wow. tell us about your first meeting with uh, Mr. Patagonia? Oh, um, yeah, well, <clears throat> my second record that I ever had was, was, uh, a band called America, and uh, my favorite. What was song, their best song again? Ventura Highway. Yes. Oh. Woody, it was that? horse with no name. Life is a high <laughs> one. Ah, <laughs> 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 sort of guy. Uh, was it? Even uh, was it horse with no oh, name? Oh yeah, then there was the horse with yeah, no name. name. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, good band, great band. Yeah. Somehow, um, well, actually, Wayne got approached by them to be an ambassador, and uh, they they told Wayne that they were looking for a um, distributor in Australia. And I was like, Oh God, I want to get out of the surf industry. It was all going a bit, going a bit, um, uh, haywire and stuff was going to go down. I knew it. And so, so yeah, contacted him and somehow was driving up 
Ventura Highway listening to <laughs> Ventura, Ventura Highway. Highway. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, screeched into, you know, Patagonia and had a um, my first meeting. I, at that time, I just just shaved my head. I got all – and I was just happened to wear all this kind of black stuff. Um, I was wearing like black long sleeve tee and black pants and, and I, you know, everyone there looked like they were in the 70s surf or something, you know, all pretty laid back. And then I turn around, he's this little – Yvonne Chenard comes around the corner and he go, looks, looks me up and down. He goes, what have we got here? A Navy SEAL. He <laughs> 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 starts ragging me. Like I've never shook the guy's hand. <laughs> what and was I your was, response? I was, I was like, yeah, probably went a bit hard on the buzzer here. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, and uh, anyway, so we uh, – he he, pretty much. Um, oh, he's just the most amazing guy. He's just like he 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 reminded me of um, you know like your you know your your mate's dad who's just like the best bloke in the world. He's always looked after you and always he he was that. He was just like a father figure for me for a little while. Um, but but he was um, uh, just just really warm and caring and 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 straight away you could. He had an awe about him. He was he was really quite a. I used to call him like a little Buddha, you know. And um, but he took us surfing, and uh, we had um, the first surf we had. He took took me up to the um, uh, what's called um, uh, no, right up to the the farm. Oh, no, oh the ranch, the ranch. So you got up there. So you took, they got this beautiful house up at the ranch, and it's good. This is it like gated it? community? Oh, is that that's <clears> his? Is it? <laughs> no, it's like a I don't know how many houses in there. 50 I, I or think something? yeah, I think that's it, it's like five hundred acres, and you all get you know ten acres, and uh, you build your own house. It's, it's on like the three beach. really good point breaks, and, and nobody you, else can use the. No beach. one else can use the beach. No one, right? It's like private. So it's your. So you it's, couldn't it's, paddle up there. Or so there's like picture there being like picture it being Lennox, and there's a gate at the servo. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's at the wow. servo. It's the yeah. only road in. It's at the servo, and it's yeah. gated with guards. And yeah. you go there, and they're like, "Whose house are you going to? Like, what's your?" I'm what's going your... to Woody's house. Yeah, we, we went there to get a photo at the gate for this surfing. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Nah. Anyway, they just said, "Get the fuck out of here!" Like this guy yeah. was like wow. a security. Like, nah, and they just it. do a yeah. shift work. Like, so it was... where, where is this? Sorry. Um... Uh, so if you go past Santa Barbara about yeah, 45 it's minutes north, mm. sort of up towards Santa Barbara. Yeah, so it's a real wealthy – is it a real yeah, wealthy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole, yeah, yeah, whole yeah, ranch yeah. and it was, it was just you purely a cattle Lennox farm. Was it, yeah. was it, and it's still a cattle farm so you had mm. to – It's really nice. It's like the nicest pass, part of California. Oh, it's humble. It's just beautiful. Good um, waves? Yeah, the ranch has oh. got – well, you, I don't know. I never went in Sorry, there. Sorry, so you yeah. went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shane, Shane Gould kicking. <laughs> he was swimming around the back there. <laughs> anyway, we had um, we're paddling out. It was pumping. It was like six foot. Just me and Avon. Right, he's he's going. Come on, I'll take you surf. And I'm like, oh, can he surf? I hope he can surf. And um, so anyway, he's with a Navy SEAL, so he's, he's right. enough <laughs> to save him, of course. And, and so I'm I'm like. He goes, you go up to that rock and you jump. And I'm like, okay, Yvonne. And, and, and I'm running up to this rock and the set's coming and, and I hear this little pitter-patter behind me. I'm like, yeah, this is like gnarly Yvonne Chenard. You know, he's climbed, you know, Yosemite, you know, these concrete mm. walls yeah. like, like, you know, big high-rises and he's just hanging there one finger. I'm like, no problem, no problem. He's got this. <laughs> and I'm running and I literally go, whoo, shit, this is a bit late, Case Man. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I punch it through. <laughs> 
And I t- you know when you just have that, oh, no. <laughs> you know, like, like, like one of those Tim Benison yeah. hours moments, you know. <laughs> and I turn around and Yvonne's just getting pinballed through. <laughs> These rocks just going crack, boom, bang. <laughs> this is the first meeting. Yeah. And I'm literally, you could be, you know, six feet over the lip where it broke. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, you know, front row seats. <laughs> this guy that's... <laughs> <laughs> giving me giving me the trust <laughs> to run his brand and straight. I've just launched him into <laughs> the headbutt of all headbutts. And I look over and um here's Avon and 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 he's like shaking his head like this and I look and he's got this massive cut across his nose like someone's just <laughs> chopper reeds just coming and gone bang. <laughs> and I'm like fuck oh shit fuck and anyway Yvonne just finally kind of launches it out and I'm sitting there going, Yvonne, okay, this is what we'll do. We'll go in, you know, we'll go to the doctors to get you stitched up. And, and he looks at me and he goes, what the fuck? He goes, mate, this is a scratch. Let's go. It's pumping. And, and, and to his credit, uh, we surfed for two hours, this place called Razors, um, and um, it was pumping. And Yvonne, uh, every time I looked up, <laughs> Yvonne looked like the, the Rocky Horror Show, you know. <laughs> He just had the beetroot running all the way over his face. And it was such a turn-off. But I tell you, the surf was so good, I was stoked, you know. <laughs> and anyway, oh, his son paddles out, Fletcher, um, and, and just starts screaming at his dad. He goes, Dad, Dad, you, ch- you really checked your nose like it was a fool, you know. Anyway, so they go, go home and everyone's just gaffer taping it up. He's tough. <laughs> like he's a tough fellow. He's that, had that many falls and um, – but yeah, he's he, he um we 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 kind of we had some some good times and I I brought them out. They came, ended up coming out when we launched Australia and um he just come back from doing that film 180 South and he had this kind of little chesty cough and uh I took him down into the Otway Ranges down to the yurt and uh any uh funny story is he travelled with a, a little blow up thermal thing you know and a, and a sleeping bag and he, he hated hotels didn't want me to book him in and just sleep out on the deck or on the you know how good's that Are you serious serious so he yeah. wouldn't yeah and he and, and honestly hated hotels I, I hate those thermal things I, when I go camping I'm taking like the, <laughs> the six inch mattress right so <clears throat> um we go we roll up and Yvonne's like no man I'm, I'm not sleeping in that comfy bed I'm I'm going out on the deck and I'm like Yvonne it's kind of a rainforest it's the always you know, mozzies are like, you know, small cats around here. Like they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're going to fucking. They're going to eat you alive. Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, seahawks. <laughs> yeah, the midnight seahawks just coming down. <laughs> Look at that little bang on the nose. I'm going to land on that that little cut. Anyway, he, 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 uh, I'm, I'm thinking, and I had Keith Malloy there and Dan Malloy, and they're like, oh, my God, you know, like, uh, yeah, the mozzies are bad. He goes out there sleeps and uh in the middle of the night I get up to go to the toilet and walk across this little hallway to my toilet and I just kick I literally kick Yvonne in the ribs and I go Whoa! and I hear this Whoa! you know and even again to his uh to his toughness he um he uh he survived but uh the the funny moment was we're all sitting around the breakfast table and uh Yvonne's gone and just sort of disappeared gone for a walk and he's finally kind of opened the door and come in and there's me Keith Malloy and you know, a couple of crew, and we, we look at Eve and look like you know he had the worst case of measles that you've ever. <laughs> <laughs> He's walking through, I'm in the hallway, and 
<laughs> you know, and, uh, and and we were just going, oh my god. Um, but um, yeah, there was there was some some good times. I mean, we I I didn't last um, that long at Patagonia because I had the uh, we we ran into a bit of financial issues, and the brand actually took a you know a little bit to kind of get going. All our <clears throat> we, I we spent a shite load on the Torquay store, and then it just took took. Um, we were into our, about a year and a half and we were just doing really low turnover and I had two pretty powerful brothers who were like, uh, no more cash for you. Um, this thing's, you know, it was really hard because you, you go and enter into something because um, – You believe in it, eh? I like, believed in it. Yeah. It was really uh, – it was a great dream for me to, you know, bring a brand like this into the country and change um, the whole mentality around retail and – doing the right thing by, you know, the planet and all that kind of stuff. You know, a lot of idealism but the reality was, as much as Yvonne would say, you worry about the people that walk out the door at five o'clock, you still got to check the bottom line and make sure you can pay your bills. And So, yeah, I had to sort of step out of there but thankfully he kept me on and I I did a bit of brand managing and a bit of surf managing and and, um, and then finally did the – Byron Bay store and able to step out and start a new life and um, and a whole host of other things kind of went down in that period. But but um, yeah, it was a great experience and just super thankful to to, to I did sixteen conferences, um, got a lot of you know information around uh, you know how to how to create a really good soulful company. You know, just sort of looking after your, your people and doing the right thing by your you know your um, yeah, your local community and all sorts of things. It's it's an incredible company. It's just hard to even explain. And there is some sadness. There was a great loss um, stepping out of the Byron Bay store and um, and not not being a part of the company. But um, in the end, you got your own soul to walk through and and be with and and focus on. And so it was good. It was just time for me to start, um, uh, you know, enjoying. Um, myself and work on myself a bit more and that's what I've been doing sort of since post Patagonia is just um yeah just going surfing and enjoying life you know just can I ask about you you're doing Yeti now yes you run Yeti so to me you seem like you've always got your eye on like a very good brand or like a like you got you started Yeti and and we're in tonight too I think we should make mention too the pure Scott is what we're drinking as well so (laughs) mate it's not a bad Batch yeah, of, uh, yeah, really good. But yeah. like scotch whiskey. Last time Barnsley got on that sort of stuff, he was on Liz man. Ellis's lap. Man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Me and Wilsey were going to bash after. We had to, <laughs> well, I was going to bash Wilsey. I don't think he was going to bash me. <laughs> but how do you, like, do you, yeah. like, you, you've, you've obviously, like, since you started with Rip Curl, you went into Rusty and Stussy and, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of other brands before Patagonia, but. Yeah. You've always seemed to find. Something it's a who's pretty, who are names. It's like something brands. that's pretty like, like, cause Patagonia at the time were probably, when was that? Like 2007 or eight or yep. something around yep. that. Spot on. They, <clears> they, it was around it that like, they weren't what they are now, which is like almost yeah. one of the powerhouse brands now mm. of the industry. Okay. There's know? a reason for that. Yeah. Which is what Case has described, yeah, like but, what they tried to build and, and the fact that it's come with the quality of what they put out. But like I can the quality even, of their gear is Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Absolutely, and second enough. Even yes. Yeti, when you first yeah. were with Yeti, I was like, um, fucking, 
What's he doing? Like, oh, I just remember seeing like cool cups, but I'm like, Who the fuck's drinking this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sixty buck cup. Like, fuck yeah, up, like, really. they have sick water bottle. Like, they're yeah. all sick water bottle. I remember Melling got yeah. one as like a. It might yeah. have been 2013. He got a Yeti one from one of the comps. I'm, and he's oh, like, yeah. fuck my water. Case, can you put Woody on your advisory team? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You're all, to no, me, you're, all, you're fucking ten years ahead of everyone. Yeah. I don't know. It's, oh yeah. No, no. Well, do you look at that prior to? Pulling the trigger, like, are you looking at, or is it just you like the brand, you like what the crew are doing, and you just go with it? Is that kind of how? It- uh yeah. There's, there's, look, there's. Um, I, I always wonder why things, uh, what I call, appear. You know, there, there's an appearance that comes to me, and I think is there something good in this, and then I'll do, I will do my analysis of the brand, and I, 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 I saw how well they marketed it. Um, their 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 ambassadors and how they had a very similar philosophy to Patagonia. It was a very very similar uh, marketing kind of um, trench that they they kind of valued. And then as as I as I saw those those kind of things uh, those similarities, I looked over and went, oh, this is a bit scary. They you know they're cutting you know moose you know and 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 then barbecue in front of it you know I'm thinking wow that's 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 pretty full on but then I had to sort of sit back and kind of go all right well you know if if we went back you know 200 years and you know we had to we had to actually survive and 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 this is this is actually what we would have to do and you know am I recognizing uh that you know there's this kind of veil of of um uh illusion Around where my food's come from yeah. and how it's how it's mm. so all that, you know, all that. Well, that, that show on Netflix, Meat Eater, who's Steve Ranella, it's yeah. like my favorite show. It's yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah, it's such a good show. And I was, I was, I, I spent a lot of years vego and did all that kind of, you know, don't hurt anything and, and stepping over ants and and, <laughs> and and catching butterflies and you know putting yeah. them on some Standing you know gorgeous lady's shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> It was amazing, you, darling, because I am spiritual. (laughs) (laughs) Can't you see my beads, baby? Um, (laughs) That's a that's a good combo for a vego. I do. You step over (laughs) ants. You fucking better. (laughs) I'm gonna use that one. Oh fuck. Oh man. So so uh, so you you kind of was yeah to get over. Yeah, over the line. Yeah, and then I, I, there was a guy there at Yeti. Uh, his name was Bill Neff, and uh, incredible marketing genius. And uh, and 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 he just did this podcast. I ended up sitting down and listening to this podcast, and and the way he explained the way that, that there's there's conservation aspects um, in in all those big inland cattle farms and all those ranches and all that kind of stuff. There's there's actually um, you know sort of toxic behaviour in that the animals are coming out and ruining. Um, uh, 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 they're, they're the bush or whatever. Sorry, I can't get the word. But um, and so they go and prune. You know, um, they're they're allowed to. Each farmer's allowed to prune three moose, two wolverines, and you know, um, uh, you know, fifteen deer. And and uh, and that's your conservation limit on this five hundred acre cattle farm. And so there's a whole host of things that made sense. And then the way in which they actually present. They have the number one world barbecue champion. So, you know, you were born to 
you know, flip a snag and, <laughs> and, and get the crown for, you know, number one snag flipper. And uh, <laughs> I didn't, yeah. Not the forever average guy like, you know, like me on the Barbie, but, but this, this guy's like, you know, and, and Tuffy, Tuffy Stone is his name. Tuffy not, Stone. Not, not Tuffy Stone, I wish I Wow. Yeah. Tuffy Stone. Shane's, Shane's mate. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, he was incredible. <laughs> he was, he was, uh, he, and uh, he, he came to Bell's. Uh, last year, Tuffy signed it. Tuffy did. Tuffy turned so up. So, see the brother um, created it. He's the start. He started yet. Oh no! The the actual two brothers. They um oh, look a couple of entrepreneurs who started a couple of business, kind of failed, and then um they they started this little fishing rod brand, and they were out there, and they're like oh pulling this big fish in, and they're going bloody hell, got nothing to throw it in, and you know this. This esky shit, and you know, so um, they ended up just yeah going and making this. Do it, yeah. This cooler that was was gonna you know hang onto ice for you know around five or six days, and and that's the window really. Even if you're doing a bit of a long extended weekend, yeah. um, or you're doing you know three days in a row of good weather fishing, you know, there's this kind of two or three day window of keeping your ice there, and you don't have to change it. You know, you just fly back out, fish, throw them, but you know the yeah. story, but. But uh, anyway, so I just saw back to you, back to your was that I just saw um, just how good they were at what they did, and um, I went, oh, I've got to be a part of this, and um, ended up, yeah, getting approached by them, and and I said, oh, look, I'll help you. Um, they call me a brand ambassador, so so I introduced them to other brands, but ended up it sort of morphed into a bit of a surf um, title where um, I've you know I got. I helped Mick get on and I helped Steffi, <laughs> Steffi get on <laughs> and uh, Mikey <laughs> Wright and there's, you know, I'm running around looking up, looking after uh, heaps of crew, I'm, you know, like gorilla marketing, throwing, th- throwing a drink bottle in the back of Woody's truck, yeah. uh, trying to get Woody to use it. Yeah, he's yeah, a bit I'm, hard. He's pretty tough. <laughs> I'm, I'm there uh, just doing like similar advertising to Steph yep. Gilmore. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you pick the right, you pick the right crew, but like I think the way you've <clears> done it. Look at the size of your freaking water bottle there. I mean, take it, bloody. <laughs> yeah, it's freaking huge. <laughs> I can, I can, I can fill up uh, just from any rain system. <laughs> 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 You're lost. Oh, give up. Oh, I was give up. Try to say up. something funny. What, what is it about Yeti's product? What, what, what makes them so good? Is the insulate? What, what do they do differently to? Just say Coleman, the average well, brand. It's just a way that. A really good question because, you know, the hardest thing when I started Patagonia was that people um, couldn't perceive quality. Yeah. And so they, they actually were really, they'd come across when I did the shop at Torquay, they'd walk across the road and go, oh, you're joking. Yeah, pair of bloody jeans, 120 bucks, mate, they're 89 over there. Yeah. Um, and you couldn't explain to them and justify that it was organic cotton and washed a certain way and it's got a lifetime guarantee and it's, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, and But Yeti just took that whole thing to another level and when they launched the Tundra, they were dropping it off buildings and throwing it in cages with bears and literally indestructible. <laughs> this bear just bear-hugging. <laughs> bear bear-hugging this Tundra. Yeah, cooler. Um, it's, it's funny you say about the quality stuff because yeah. you see now – like those puffy, like the down jackets that yeah. Patagonia first came out with the black and blue. Yeah, down they're trendy jacket. now. Yeah, dude, fucking every second <laughs> person's got one. It's either Patagonia or North Face. Everyone's wearing. Yeah, but the jacket. difference there is it just took time for Patagonia. Yeah, like now, now people time. know. 
Yep. Like if you go and pay 40 bucks more for a pair of jeans, you know it's going to last you 15 years. Exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. fuck, I've got gear. I've got gear that I bought from Patagonia from your shop yeah. in Byron yeah. uh, when you were there, when Dusto was there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's like dead set a decade old. Yeah. And it yeah. still feels like it's like not brand new but probably yeah. six months old. Yep. Like and flannos and yeah. just uh, sh- casual shorts and yep. the gear is so good. Yes, and it takes <clears> – and that's the thing with uh, – a brand of quality it's it becomes more of a word of mouth mm. style of marketing it's like you you know telling woody and yep. and ryan and yeah. whoever you know um and, and just and, and endorsing it and saying wow man you know this thing's incredible and and that's what quality does is it actually sparks this kind of really uh you know exciting it's like an exciting thing that you actually you got to there's no buyer's remorse you know you're actually stepping in and it's been a meaningful purchase and you start talking about it. Well, yeah, and once you get over that line, prices just, it yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, there's classic. My, sorry, it doesn't matter to Freebus. <laughs> Maybe it's a crime over here, it matters. Crime doesn't pay. Crime doesn't I've come to, it's actually oh, he's coming around. No, I'm coming around slowly because I realise that when you actually buy one thing of quality and it lasts you 10 years, yeah. it's better than buying 10 pieces of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except sunglasses because yeah, yeah. that fucking shit scratches. Oh, <laughs> and you just lose them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I got a good example of like quality over sh- uh, something shit. Like we bought Rex, a, my little son, a, a BMX from Target for 89 bucks. And yeah. we're like, fuck yeah, we've got a good Bargain. deal. Yeah. It went off a jump about four days after buying <laughs> snapped it. Snapped in half. Snapped in half. <laughs> wow. Luckily the jump was on a grass and he just scorpion with the handlebars. <laughs> I don't want to try, try and chop you here to be one of those dickheads, but I bought. Oh. I, I went out and bought myself a, one of those knockoff Peewee 50s motorbikes. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I put my son on it. Yep. And I didn't know that the throttle pin yeah, didn't work this. on the fucking thing. He's gone full throttle, hit the drain pipe out here, gone over the handlebars, landed on his fucking head. Bike's gone oh over him God. as well. And I've just gone, I've killed him. I fucking <laughs> yeah. killed my son. Oh, he was fucking four. Jesus. And I was like, Jesus. I remember it, I ended up the next day I went out and bought a pop of Wee 50 that I could put the pin in and control yeah. the throttle. It was yeah. just like, what was I thinking? Yeah, well, yeah. that was that's just quality over it yeah, fucking quality. Don't, yeah. don't buy a pushy from Target <laughs> if you're going to jump. <laughs> so, so let's get to the quality quality part of the podcast, the Barnsy Ball Bag. You got your knives and your balls, got your grapes and your berries, got your tackle and your stone, got your lightning and your haze, got your hangers and you got your mags, got your poop and bristle pads, got the Barnsy's Ball Bag. Yeah. Uh, which uh, these are random questions. Um, fuck, there's going to be some random ones tonight. I think yeah. um, we're all excited. We're back in the shed. We've got a quality yeah. guest. <laughs> I've, got, um, I've got a few. I was thinking about probably my first one would be. Oh, I know you've got. You've probably got a lot of R-rated fucking sales trips, or <laughs> you know, just <laughs> maybe give. Have you got a cool like just shop story where? You couldn't get them over the line and then you fucking got them over the line or is it – give me a funny sales trip. Like as when you were in your heyday with your, you know, your rip curl repping or, yeah, you know, your um, dusty stuff or whatever. Yeah. I, I, f- funny story was that I, I lived with this male model who who worked in the shop with me and um, and, and he was uh, good good with the girls and I was, you know, like his forever average mate that had just <laughs> back him up, you know. So he, 
You're yeah. the wicket keeper, yeah. Anything yeah. that went, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anything that went through. He was he was married, and I had the spare bedroom. I'd you know hire out uh, at my house. I had a house, which was quite fortunate. Um, and uh, so my mate would uh, pick up these chicks in the shop and go, "Look, I'm just sh- sh- you know shooting home for. Uh, can I have the key?" And he. <laughs> Rock into my house and use spare bedroom and come over these girls from the shop. I was like, wow, unbelievable. Um, so I, one day I've, I'm sitting there, you know, just watching some, you know, Maxwell Smart or something. <laughs> 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 and I'm looking at 99 going, oh, this would be good, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I turn around and here's, here's this absolute glamour at the door. And, and I'm like, oh, a what? You know, like what's going on here? And uh, anyway, it was um, me, me model mates, uh, he, he couldn't get away from his, <laughs> from his family, which wasn't good, but uh, uh, <laughs> quite fortunate for me. So I was- There's a weird keeper. I, I, she goes, right oh, well, well, you know, where's so-and-so, <laughs> you know, well, this is his house. Well, like, well, well, don't, don't, don't rush off. Just hang on a minute. <laughs> Let me make I you said, some look, toast. I'm, uh, you know, a pretty funny guy. Um, would, you, <laughs> would you like to have a laugh and a bit of Chinese? And <laughs> <laughs> so, so I bought the best bottle of, you know, Glen, you know, Glen, you know, some cheap champagne and, uh, and uh, you know, the 1995 and took her down to the local Chinese. And <laughs> anyway, uh, she stayed with me that night, didn't she? <laughs> uh, anyway, so, yeah, that was you're one of the perks of the real early days but yeah there's a there is a few funny <laughs> a few funny stories uh that i, I could uh what about on. what about was there any like was there ever any surf shops where you like just fucking de- didn't want to go but you had to go because that was such a good account or it was a, yeah. i know you don't want to drop any names but is there anyone where you're like fuck you'd always get yeah like yeah. getting fight or yeah yeah well blow ups like that no i went to this uh guy in gippsland and told him that you know, town's big enough now and we're going to open up another account down the road. And uh, and he was just one of those weird farm boys out Gippsland and, you know, <laughs> just milked the cows a bit too much. <laughs> you know, had those moving hands still. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> going up and down and, and I'm like, wow, this, this, this guy's actually going to hook me, you know, like. And he just started going off and then he stun, starts going off and they both tried to sort of take me outside and, roughed me up and like I was like this is unbelievable <laughs> like mate it's just you know like um just how it happens it's just how it happens and and um uh but yeah there was there was the odd sort of scary character like that in the in the surf shop because it yeah. was back then I guess it was like you're dealing with just it's all individually owned shops there's probably not yeah. many chains of stores so you just it's no. me and Beric that run fucking Lennox Surf or you know it's yeah just crew from the, it was yeah, and it was like like the old menswears, you know, there was the guy, you know, just sitting down. He had a little, you know, three foot by six foot tiny little uh, office behind his all these clothing racks, you know, and he'd just sit in there and smoke gaffers and, you know, <clears throat> and uh, he'd go in and, you know, kind of catch up and, uh, you know, talk with these guys. But they were old, old menswears. And so before yeah. so it wasn't even surf stores. Yeah, right. And so when, when surf started going off and they ended up getting – six and seven really good surf brands um, and Rip Curl started, we, we called it the uh, long sleeve hoodie where they, they printed Rip Curl down the arm and yeah. made the backpacks and they just started printing money like you, just, like you wouldn't believe that era. It was just incredible what was the reorders I was getting and what was 
going out the door in a week and and people they'll ring me like hey, you know like you know. Oh. and uh, so the menswear's flipped their their shops over and all of a sudden you went up next week and there's a board in the window and there's Bobby's Bobby, <laughs> Bobby's cow milk and surcharge <laughs> <laughs> and a little video of Bobby just working the <laughs> working the nipples, you, you know and, and and that was and that was the flip that was the great flip in our in our area is there. that sort of like the mid eighties when that was also oh, yeah like mid to late because my weird like I said. Yeah, we had a surf shop in Kingaroy. Oh, three hours from the fucking coast. We're back to fucking Kingaroy. Kingaroy. <laughs> Mungo King Surf, mate. We, Mungo. Had a, we had a surf shop. Mungo. M-U-N-G-O. I think it was all Munga. Mungo or Munga Surf in Kingaroy, right next to Aussie Pizzas. <laughs> it was good. It was freaking good. Oh. We've, somehow, we've somehow, any listener out there, please find a Munga Surf <laughs> shop. A shirt. If you could get a shirt, far, far oh. out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So All right. Was, and uh, yeah. another another question I'll fire yeah. at you while we're here. You said, um, you know, when you did well, you got to go watch Talking Heads or something like that. Yeah. Being around that Torquay area, you would have had a lot of like those eighties, those eighties pub rock stuff coming through Geelong. I'm guessing there was yeah. like a certain venue in Geelong or probably Torquay as well. But yeah. Your best live act in that like that Aussie pub era, like what, uh, what was the best like? Yeah, we, we we had a we had a actually this massive big uh, it's like a freaking was a warehouse it was a pub but it was kind of just just um, really big but it was called the uh, yeah, it was called the Commodore it was over at Ocean Grove and uh, all, all the bands would go there and it was yeah it was mid eighties but you had you know in that time you had In Excess and you had Strain Crawl and you had oh, Men at Work you know all, all these. Oh, it's like just, five bucks to go see NXS yeah, on a bucks. Thursday night or yeah, something. Yeah, and uh, I chose just going fucking mad. <laughs> it was such a like, oh no, it was it was a joke. And you were this, you know, you were this, you were this far from Michael Hutchins. You know, uh, was he that good in life? Like, what was he? Was he that he was good in amazing. life? Amazing. Like, he was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Did he just what? Well, did he just ooze that something? That yeah. little bit that you just. He was the aura. It, like no one else, like if there was any one person that, like all of them were, you know, kind of pretty amazing. Like you know, um, the guy from Australian Call. Australian Call would have been. Fucking it was. Oh, they've yeah. got really a hundred good. good songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that 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 was James good, um James Ryan James Ryan James Ryan. That's right. That's right. Yeah, quite a few. But like Hacho just going, you <laughs> sensation. Yeah. Just oh yeah. Flexing yeah. his hips. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, you were. Yeah, it was. That loaded wall to wall, the girls love. Oh, the yeah, and, and um, that would yeah. have been sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was really sick. Um, but yeah, you know, I saw some 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 good bands in those sort of early days. Just just yeah, you just turn up at a pub and you know just was on was on for young and old. Chevron, the Chevron in Melbourne. You drive up to Melbourne and and um, they had a good music scene back then. Yeah. There's like Paul yeah. Kelly and all that crew coming yeah, up Paul through Kelly, there. I saw Paul Kelly a lot. Um, that, that was mid to late 80s, pub yeah. rock. Chisel. Yeah. Chisel. Midnight yeah. Oil. Yeah, oh. Chisel. 
What about what about last one for uh, for me? For I know every big company generally had a pretty sick Chrissy party. There must have been one for the fucking like Torquay. One for the books. One oh. a rippy, or did it must have got so gnarly that Quickie would have tried to outdo the rippy one, yeah, and yeah. the rippy one would have tried to outdo the Quickie one, and then it would have been nah, fuck that, oh, Rusty. Yeah. yeah. Well, people getting and, lit on and, fire. And then, and then when he's finally got these chains, you know, like you got the surf diving ski chain and jetty surf chain and all that, you'd have all those Chrissy parties as well. And then you had like, you know, seventeen store chains with that, that had ten girls working in each of those stores. How are you still alive? Yeah. How's your uh, liver? I still? mean, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's questionable uh, <laughs> medical records, but uh, no, I had, uh, um, but yeah, some of those you'd basically um, most time. Uh, Rip Curl was a surprise. You just get on a bus and they just go, right, you know, party's on. And then you'd end up some wacky joint in the middle of Geelong, you know, walking home, you're choking home because you just, you just got that, that whacked or you end up in a, waking up in a bush, you know, saying, <laughs> what's that? Oh, that's the moon, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> cuddling a pot plant, you know, like kissing, kissing the bottom leaf. <laughs> the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Like it wasn't anything else, you know, you just down there just and and somehow you got home and, you know, you survived and you didn't get, you know, murdered in Geelong. <laughs> Geelong was a pretty gnarly place. Yeah. And, uh, but um, but then, yeah, you'd end up back at Torquay and there'd be this Quicksilver rip curl or oh, everyone, somebody's house and it was just this, you know, but it was it was a just incredible that just Party that whole, town. Yeah. You know, like and I'm not trying to paint you as this mad alcoholic lunatic. I no. just know that era must have been so fun because it was so, so fresh. Yeah. It was when everything was yeah. fucking all happening. It, it, it would was. have been sick. It was. And Rip Curl was that was really good that that era I was there, that first sort of five <laughs> years when um and, and they'd bring people in from overseas and you know, and uh they'd they'd be working in um they'd be doing this um Little intern in in uh, Torquay, and so you'd meet all these amazing people. And and uh, early days, I was yeah handing weddies to MR and MP, and they'd come in and I'd go, no worries, mate, you know, Michael Peterson, Michael Peterson, <laughs> you know, and and I'd run out the back and I'd get his you know rainbow hand cut sparrow wetsuit, and just was just Rip Curl was this kind of uh, little I don't know, it was like the the first kind of little station of amazing people and and uh and back then you only got your wetsuits from rip curl because quicksilver didn't do them yeah it was pretty so you came to yeah. yeah you came to rip curl to get your and that was head, head and shoulders above everyone really weren't they head and shoulders and um so it was this real divide and no one no one really it was really um there was no real competitive jealousy or anything like that until yeah they both kind of Brian Singer and Alan Green both faced off at Torquay Pub and said, okay, it's time we're going to do board shorts and, you know, Quicksilver's going to do wetsuits. And they both obviously started to make um, their, their clothing lines. But but um, but before that it was really, um, you know, it was a cottage industry. Half the time, you know, you'd, you'd be screaming at, um, you know, down, Steve would be screaming down the phone at someone to – make another 50 of these scallop leg board shorts and some old granny would be sewing them out the back of Torquay in a little cottage and and um, drive it up in a little Mazda 320Y or whatever and <laughs> chuck them on the front desk. It was, you know, it was really 
uh, you know, it's pretty special seeing the, the way the industry grew from that, you know. It's like the birth of it really, eh? Like it was, it, yeah, like even though 100%. it was in the 70s, yeah. 60s, 70s, it really yeah. was like when it actually was pumping. Yeah. And first pumping. Yes, yes. And it was before, like I, I didn't really kind of get the taste of it because even though I was drinking and hanging out with everyone at the pub in the late 70s, I didn't see that that initial birth where Rip Curl was making boards and, uh, you know, Quicksilver sort of started, you know, making board shorts a bit later. But but half those guys were all just into making the boards and then um, they started making the wetsuits because of um, I think it was Jack O'Neill came out and brought his O'Neill wetsuits out and, and so they started to – Rip Curl started to copy those and, and so – and then after that it all just, you know – the creativity started to open and the clothing came and the board shorts came. Ugg, Ugg Manufacturing was um, was uh, Quicksilver's first first line of product was um, um, Ugg Boots. Wow, yeah, really? Yeah, so they made Ugg Boots and then they got out of Ugg Boots and made, made um, started to, well, they kept the Ugg Boot business. I think they separated that, but they um, kept still kept the, the company. The company Ugg, Ugg, Ugg Manufacturing was the actual one of the, the main um, trademark brands for the clothing. So, so uh, yeah, off they went and made um, the board shorts and all the clothing in, in UGG. And, um, and then, yeah, as time went on, how big Quicksilver got, um, all became public companies and it all kind of fell over, which was really sad. I was actually, was um, especially for those guys that created, it'd be like you creating a little, you know, a little brand and, you know, turn it into a $2.2 billion brand and then all of a sudden, six years later, it's, you know, doing this great nosedive. You, you said you management. saw the writing on the wall. Like what what were the signs for you that you could just see the scales tipping? Well, there was a there was a period where um, Phil Jarrett actually wrote about it. It was called Salts and Suits and, and these really serious guys started to come into the, the very casual, free-spirited, kind of boardroom meetings and these guys kind of really drove um, the thing, uh, you know, profit and growth and, and and really became this really hard-edged sales performance, you know. Yeah, but that so, was driven – I mean, that well, I mean, you know just that, going yeah. – yeah, I mean, yeah. from my background, I mean, the way I saw it was just driven by one brand on that front and it was mm. Billabong. Mm. And Billabong – I'm not saying they fucked it for everyone but going to a listed company where you – yeah. You got to report, you know, quarterly yeah. quarterly returns, and you're just at the, you're just at the, you know, yep. you know, you just get knocked down by shareholders every every Absolutely. day of the week. Yeah, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't we doing this? Why, you know, why, yeah. you know? So it's it's a bit like all listed golf brands now. Yes, so you, you know, end. you got to bring out a new driver. You got to bring out a new set of irons. You got to, you know, and I mean, mm. the minute Billabong peaked. With retail shops under Derek O'Neill, as in, I think they got to, yeah. I might be wrong, but I wouldn't be far off, about 760 flagship retail shops, yeah. they started closing them down. Yeah. yeah. So it peaked. Yeah. And, and and it was refreshing going to Patagonia and sitting there and in that first couple of years and, and Yvonne would get up and do his usual speech and he'd just go, I don't want any growth. I do not want any growth. I don't want you to go out there and get anything more than what we got last year and if you're a little bit down i don't care i do not care i'm really happy where we're at and this was when they were doing uh oh, probably about 300 million 
Yeah, but, uh, it was, but, but the difference there is it was manageable. Yeah. So it was very man. That's a global. Yeah. That's a global. That's a you know for a. That's pretty good, but three hundred million. Yeah, but it's unlike the good. it's unlike yeah. the NASCAR fucking car going around the track and it just yeah. gets out of control and starts to hit the wall and yeah, it's out of it gets out of control and yeah. that's what happened with your brand, Jones. Yeah, oh, mate, I got nothing to do with that. Brand. <laughs> Sorry, the brand that used to sponsor you. Yeah. yeah. Well, you could see even when you go into the shop. I, I just I can remember. I mean, not to go off subject, but they just. They'd always try and tie you into their eight other yeah. brands. But Casey, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, but you can see it now, can't you? Yeah. With, with the ownership. Like it's all about to implode again. Yes. Yeah. Like it's, it hasn't hit the bottom. No. Um, look, and I think it, it could rise again. I mean, I, I know that that um, licence company in the States that mm. just bought Billabong and Quicksilver, um, you know, they've they've done a great job licensing, licensing those – other brands out like that, you know, and um, I know some people who are ha- having a bit of a crack at those because the brands are iconic, you know, there's so much history there and it wouldn't take much to just sort of get it kind of going again. Um, and um, it'd be great to see. It'd be good to see some, I mean, it was just incredible the way, you know, there's a lot of brands that have just sort of just slipped into that, into those places in those mum and pop surf stores because there's, there's no other choice, you know, they just um, – and uh, um, so, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully the the company that just bought it off that merchant company, whatever Oak Tree or whatever, that they can they yeah, can so, kind of yeah. license the right people and get the brands going again because they they were what we grew up with. You know, it's like Woody was sponsored by and whatever. We're all yeah. we're all um, you know fortunate to have those people that gave us the the legs and the platform to get to where we are today. You know, it's like um, I'm very you know, grateful and to all those brands that I work for. It's just, you know, there's a lot of hard work in um, a lot of blood and guts trying yeah. to get to those places, you know. So it's, it's good um, they get back up. Barnsley. Um, oh, I just want to keep touching on this, Yvonne Chouinard. Like he sounds like just one of the most – it sounds incredible because what was it – when was he listed at a billion dollars and he's possibly got to be the only person in history who was filthy at getting <laughs> getting yeah. valued at that because it got up so much. Your yeah. best story about him, mate, or just what sums him up? Fuck, it's pretty hard to beat the belting on the rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> other than that, yeah. I mean, I think Yvonne, um, he, 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 he almost failed and had a, a bit of a eighties nose dive himself, and that, and that's why he chose to do everything um, purely through cash. What, what was in the bank? That's what he worked with. Yeah, he didn't, right. he didn't go out and get yeah. finance and you know, the game you've been in. But the the thing that Yvonne, um, he, he was an experiential guy. He, he didn't strike me as, you know, some, you know, business genius. And he always actually quoted that, that, that he was a reluctant businessman. But, but um, you know, he's, and that was, the, that was the, the synergies and the connection that I had with him was that he just learnt on the role and that's, and that's how I've got through life is purely – through the experience of business, um, you start to, um, and you, you start to understand it purely through through the the art of working the business and not through. And he got all the right people in, but I, I just love the way that <clears throat> he came up with a lot of things like earth tax, you know, and, and decided to make one percent of the company for nature. And so he just said, well, that <clears throat> that one percent of our turnover, top line sales. Um, 
is I'm going back straight back to grassroots organisations. And and not only did he go to, <clears throat> you know, all the right fabrics and made made his products so well, um, <clears throat> you know, he upped and changed the whole fair trade uh, aspect of um, manufacturing in those countries where we were slave labour and, you know, buildings were collapsing on kids and, uh, uh, you know, huge, huge dramas. And so he he was paying all his workers <clears throat> 25% more and um, and then giving giving the guy, that the factory owner, giving him like $100,000 to, to, to fix the houses up and do all this. Wow. Yeah. And <clears throat> early days I, I heard I went to a dinner at his place and he had a couple of really – amazing people there and he was telling them about how he gave Sea Shepherd 250 grand to um uh to 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 that that Paul um Watson and he goes don't you tell anyone don't you tell anyone because you know one of his big biggest businesses is um in Japan and anyway word got out and the Yakuza got onto it and started following his staff uh, and th- life-threatening him and, you know. Um, so the Yakuza run the whale business kind of thing in uh, Japan? Like yeah. Like all that, uh, yeah. <clears throat> it's all, yeah. And uh, and so um, he just, and I, 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 again, I had another couple of runs with him and he just looked at me and he goes, what am I going to do with all the money? He goes, I've got my house here. Yeah. <clears throat> i got my house up at Wyoming. He's got a nice cattle ranch up there and he loves his skiing. And he goes, that's it. Goes, you know, and so it didn't surprise me when he actually came back and actually said, "Now I'm, I'm putting it in a trust, um, and ten or twelve percent of the brand now goes to to um, looking after the natural world. Nature owns the business now, um, and uh, and so yeah, he first of his kind. Like no one's. No one's done that. No one's actually. Does, does yeah. he have his? Do his, does his family work in the business? Yeah. So his daughter Claire is actually sits on the trust, and his son um, has separated out. He does a board brand called FCD Fletcher Shinard Designs. Oh, is that his friend? Yeah. yeah. And so his son uh, separates that out. Um, so he's a shaper, is he? Yeah, he's a really good yeah, shaper. Good boards, man. That's good sick. boards, really good boards. Um, uh, Dan Ross rides. Dan Ross rides a lot of them, doesn't yep, he? Yep. Yep. So he's yeah he's he's uh, um, and so um, yeah he's comfortably stepped away and set it up so it's it's pretty much untouchable now that um, that everything that happens to that that company no one can touch the That's actual awesome, environmental mate. aspect of it which yeah and and, and as I said he's yeah he just uh, he's incredible human you know he was just just a really Really nice person, you know, um, a bit like a Dalai Lama or one of those guys. He just had just this power about him and, and, um, and, uh, yeah, and he was gutsy. He was courageous. He, he, he climbed up. I, I went to Yosemite to actually just see what those mountains were like. <clears throat> and, uh, I sat on the edge of, um, Place called El Cap. It's just. Oh, this, you went, wow. I went to El Cap, and it's. But he's climbed that, eh? If he's yeah, he was yeah. one of the earliest. Wow. Guys, to go straight up with these pitons, and that's yeah, there's an old story to that. But but he um, he climbed it, um, you know, before it was old ropes, and you know, whip it around the leg like an old leg rope, God. and <laughs> if you fell, you know. You, but uh, I looked down over 
El Cap, looked down, and I have never been so scared in all my life. It was it's just the most frightening place um, of just all these incredible, um, you know. Just sheer cliff kind of thing. Sheer cliffs yeah. and people are just, um, you know, you look over and there's some guy climbing up, you know, um, but it just freaked me out. I was just like, Yvonne, um, you are my hero <laughs> you, you, to do this in the 60s, um, you know, with a hearty bunch of, Old, you know, old mates doing doing that was, yeah. I mean, because <clears throat> that's a real counterculture too, isn't it? The climbing community, even yeah. probably more so than the surf community. When you go, still For today, sure. it's kind of a counterculture, yep. really, isn't it? Yeah, they, they're real. They call them dirt bags. They cruise around in their old panel vans and, you know, live off, you know, what what they call, you know, the, the uh, scarecrow tactic, where they'll sit around a cafe and look over and wait for the person to go and then, you know, like <laughs> grab the prawn off his plate. And I have a funny story just if you want to know this one um, that uh, I, I remember coming, um, I got to sit at a dinner table with Melinda Shenard and Yvonne and, um, and she starts having a go at him about, you know, dinner the, you know, four nights ago and and uh, they went up to Santa Barbara, this, you know, one of the um, top top restaurants up there and Yvonne's just decided to do the scarecrow. Um, well, this guy's kind of got up and walked <laughs> off and he, oh, Melinda, there's a couple of prawns. I and just, <laughs> just, just gone and hooked him in, sitting there going, oh, 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 how good's that? Reminds me of the days back in Yosemite. <laughs> you know, anyway, turned around, old, uh, here comes old uh, Bobby Shocker's just come shuffling out of the toilet and he's come back to his table and just looked down and gone, where's my prawns? <laughs> He was really falling over. He's just, what? You know, like, and uh, supposedly, um, big apology and uh, yeah, paid for his meal. And uh, Melinda was so embarrassed. You know, it was like, you know, nice Santa Barbara. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't have been a billionaire and just doing that shit. You're saying if someone's falling. That's, uh, that's habit in, habit in, uh, in motion, isn't it? Just, just uh, still, still living in the uh, instinctual body, you know. But uh, no, that was that was you know heard some good stories from. Probably shouldn't be saying some of this nah, stuff, but mate, the whiskey's are flowing, awesome, isn't it? You know who That's cares? Awesome. <laughs> oh, tell us about um. I, I still remember um. Raylene Carson, one of the earlier shows, talking about how much sa- selling, like sales, taught her then to go on further in her career in sports administration. But you like learning how to sell, like what a say, give advice to a kid coming out of I don't know high school or whatever. What are the key attributes you need to be good at it? You've got to know, like for me, it was um, you, you kind of got to know what they're thinking. And uh, for me, I, I studied this thing. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you're looking at it and you're like, get this little dickhead out of here. I've got enough wetsuits on the rack, you know. those. He's got that vibe about him. He's a bit crusty and, you know. And so, yeah, you, you know, you kill him with kindness, crack a few jokes, you know, break him down a bit. But, but I – uh, I studied this thing called the Enneagram when I was a kid purely for sales technique and it became a really amazing tool for me because <clears throat> it was uh, three three personality types and they all lived yeah. in, in each part of the body. So the three the three stomach types, the three heart types and the head types and there was a real aggressive, you could, you could almost feel the energy in someone and you knew that you were dealing with the most aggressive retailer and he was a – Enneagram eight, um, and uh, 
And you knew you just had to go straight into surrender and let him be the boss and tell you what to do and, you know, be slave and run around and you know, vacuum his shop. And then all of a sudden he'd go, ah, Case, <laughs> yeah, he's done well, mate. Here's, a, here's an order for 50 weddies. And you go, whoo-hoo. And, and it was, yeah, it was. So you're a chameleon in many ways. Yeah, you're a chameleon. And, and uh, mm-hmm. in, in a way you're you are depleting yourself in the experience and giving everything to them and making them feel amazing even though you might not like him and you might, you know, um, you might want to get a bit of pigeon spit and throw it in his coffee. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but at, the, at the same time, he's just, That's you know, after, he's paid After you've you. stepped over the ants. Yeah, you've jumped, jumped the ants. But he, you know, um, as much as what you learn is that your personality isn't the only one out there and it's a style, it's a mask. And once you understand everyone's got this mask, you can actually – Dance, into it. dance around that mask in, in different ways. And I'm, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You're still dancing. What you, I mean, what are you? <laughs> Sorry, <Wait>. pigeon spear. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Haven't you seen a pigeon spit? <laughs> you know, hey, that uh, is. You know, <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh dear! Are you with us, Woody? <laughs> oh, it's way worse than pigeon poop. Oh, yeah, like getting a pigeon poop on oh, the shoulder. Fuck. Yeah. That um, is so good. Uh, I yeah, I'm gonna be using that one. That now is, the poop is unintentional, but the pigeon spit is an in, is a very intentional direct hit. <laughs> uh, he's on the edge of the of the building there, just going. You know, like like having a good having a good crack at you. Mate, there's been a there's a book of quotes, yeah. It's fucking <laughs> sorry. Sorry, mate. I sorry, just mate. couldn't stop laughing. Let's go. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll go keep going. Yeah. I'll go one more, mate. For okay, you. mate. Um <clears throat> I reckon you're a pretty well read bloke. Uh fav- you could go back into time and talk to one historical figure. Who are you going back and spending some time with? Uh um Is there anyone you'd love to learn off? I mean, as far as amazing, uh, amazing people that I'd like to have, I suppose, you know, have dinner with. Um, yeah, someone like right now would be someone like, you know, Ram Dass or Dalai Lama or someone really spiritual, and just to know that they're leaving the world, uh, you know, and and uh, to give me a few tips on this last part of the road, you know, they've probably got another twenty, thirty, whatever years, depending. On how I bash the liver around. <laughs> how many mushies turn up on the uh, Lennox paddock? <laughs> Riyadh shuffling around behind me with the bucket. <laughs> Come on, Case, there's another one. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, nah, um, you know, just, yeah, try and, try, and, uh, try and stay happy and keep it simple and, yeah. You know, keep nah, going, keep going the best you can. Condo. Uh, Condo's got a couple. God. First one, um, <laughs> uh, like long history, you've seen a lot. Yeah. Um, just rattle off uh, from any period, from the start to the to where we are now, your best shapers, in your opinion. Uh, I've never seen a guy like, as pedantic as Wayne Lynch as a shaper, like he won't, he won't just shape your board. You got to turn up, uh, have 
two or three meetings with him, bring your old boards, feel it all over, talk, and then he'll sort of start it, put it, put it in the rack. Um, so for a Wayne Lynch shape, it could take anywhere from sort of eight to 12 months to actually get a board shaped. Um, that's when he's on fire. Um, that's when he's really eight, and eight to 12 months. <laughs> yeah, What's yeah. Rocky running up these days, Woody? It's probably the, it's probably two years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It's> probably, <laughs> yeah, no, I've, yeah, um, and and I think his his uh, sensitivities and you know the way that um, uh, his mind works and he's just an incredible artist and that's because I've spent a lot of time around him and sat with him and and um, um, so and and had a long history of surfboards from him you know thirty years of boards off him and so. The, the the other ones that <clears throat> um, I've had a couple of great shapers up here. Like I, I love Gunter. Gunter shaped me a couple of really good good boards early days. Um, I had one really good one off Brocky. I'm trying to get another one out of him, and then I'm like, I'm going to go to Woody get a board off Woody. <laughs> he won't. He <laughs> won't take twelve months. Yeah. Um, and then um, yeah, I sort of um, through a mate, uh, Robbie Page, you've been work, working with a guy. Um, in town called Ed Sinnott and Ed's oh Ed's, yeah, yeah, Ed's, yeah Ed's a really lovely guy and and a legend shaper a legend shaper great guy and um so oh, yeah for the last about a year I've been working with Ed and it's just a great pleasure he's a really he's a really beautiful soul and he's really deep and um and uh, so so I've got yeah I've had about four boards off him and they've been great and um and just just yeah it's just nice to walk into the foam you know. Uh, the foam room and just just have a good conversation as well as get a a good board. Um, but yeah, uh, early days. Um, I, I've sat there and watched Ted Spencer shape boards. Really? And had him had him. Um, Do you have any? I don't have any of Ted's boards, but but um, it was like an extended Greeno kind of um, <clears throat> uh, hull. What's that? What's that when you turn the hull? Uh, Dome. Like a dome bottom, yeah, you know, kind dome, of, yeah. And he made this incredibly big kind of whip tail fin, you know, it was like a ten inch this yeah. thing. And and he, uh, we went around and we were doing this meditation stuff. And he said, "Oh, I'm going to get up and do it early." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm coming." He goes, "I got this new board." And so Ted and I paddle out, six foot perfect bells, no one around, early eighties. Um, and I just watched Ted surf these waves on this brand new board, and he, he was he was an amazing amazing shaper and a creative um, and um, but I was in that early early group I was sponsored by Gash and there was oh, that's, four, four, four shapers that's, in that That group. was like the <clears throat> board brand down there, eh? Yeah. Oh, they, and they still do a few boards now, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah still doing boards. Um, so Greg Brown, who was kind of Vic, one of Victoria's best surfers and Mark Phipps, he's in France. Oh, now. yeah, Phipps was, was the shaper for him. And it? there was Wayne and then Simon was this artist. So Simon was kind of overlaying the boards with these incredible yeah. pigments and, and these these kind of big daggers and hearts with daggers through it. was a little – Simon had this kind of dark kind of edge on him and um, – uh, with his uh, with his art, but it was beautiful. It was amazing, and and um, so it was just this little cult that kind of banged out of all the the different shapers that were around. Kim Thompson, Morris Cole, all this, um, you know, the strapper surfboards, all that. There was and then the gash just kind of emerged like the phoenix out of the ashes, just sort of bounced out and became just this it brand 
in Torquay and um so um yeah there was uh there was some fun times around that little little gang of guys. We'd all turn up on a Friday Arvo and have a few drinks and then go all go surfing down the coast and um surfed a lot with Brownie and some big big waves and um and uh um and yeah, so it was all the, all those early days. Just again watching a, a brand kind of uh birth and, and grow and you know, move into um full focus, like the whole town was like, Oh, I gotta get a dashboard and you know, but uh, yeah. So that I mean, and Morris, I've had a lot of boards off Morris. Morris Cole's an amazing shaper, and um, he's moved around a lot, been all over the the world. And um, and 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 Morris was great to me as a kid. I um, he stayed with me a lot when he came back from France, and then he was he'd always invite me over to Hawaii. So I went and stayed with him in Hawaii, and I had some incredible. Uh, he had some great. Um, friends in Hawaii, like I, I went surfing with Dane Kiloa and Morris. Um, uh, I had I had one one amazing surfer off the wall one day and this guy dropped in on me and Dane found him on the beach and just put him up against the wall and said, you ever fucking go near this guy again, I'll, you know. And I'm like, God, I met Dane Kiloa yesterday, rest in peace. <laughs> but um, he's just passed away, Dane. Um, um, and, um, and, and, yeah, Morris. Morris was um, he was tough. He he was he spent um, four years in Pentridge for a half a bottle of hash oil, um, and and was kind of glorified as this you know the surfers were this complete um, menace and uh, and a problem for society. So Morris Morris kind of came out of there a well-read um, you know top boxer and very aggressive. So he was. He was uh, running around town and uh, causing all sorts of havoc, and um, and then bailed to to France. But 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 uh, his I surfed his boards, sort of uh, some of my first boards. Um, some of my old single fins were all Morris's. So I had a great great friendship with Morris. Still do. He's him and I get along really well. Um, so yeah, good bunch of hardy shapers down there in Torquay. I mean, like anywhere, they've they're all out there and they're all. Um, you know, been around forever and a day and some of them fall off the perch and, um, you know, <clears throat> you know, I talked to George and, and George Greeno and he's, you know, 82 and he's still mowing a bit of foam up, foam up there and bro broken. And then he was telling me about Rennie Yader, the guy um, in uh, Santa Barbara, um, still shaping at 92 or something like that. Wow. You know, like it's something that you can <clears> – <throat> continue for a long time and you know so um but uh yeah last question case okay when's the book out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. i've waited two and a half hours for this one yeah. well <clears throat> and what's the premise of uh what's the direction of the book um it, it is really for me it is i think i was put on the planet to um Leave a leave a trail of um, clarity for young kids to you know to get get their way through life to um, without as much uh, stupidity and suffering you know and suffering's a great teacher it's uh, I've had a lot of it um, I've had two bankruptcies and lots of relationship failures and um, and uh, I'm not good. 
at relationships. I don't have, um, I'm more of a, um, it's, it, it becomes, um, really hard for me at, at, at a certain point. And, and I'm, I, I actually got my astrology done by this lady and she said, yeah, you know why you're not good at relationships is because, um, you actually are complete free spirit and you got all these planets way over here and so you're actually like a tiny little baby in 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 relationships you don't have any skill he goes you're actually hopeless you don't know how to treat you know people properly and all this sort of and she kind of wrote me off and I was like oh shit okay but um I'm trying to I'm trying to actually um you know all my life I've tried to prove her wrong because I was 22 at a yoga retreat in McMaster's Beach this astrologer's reading going, you're hopeless, you'll never have a good relationship. So I've, I've tried to um, – and so I've learned a lot and I've sort of grown now to a point where finally, you know, I feel like I've found a right a right person and I've got a three-year relationship on the go, um, you know. But but everything's a relationship. You know, we're, we're born from love. You know, the world's um, – it's kind of unloving. There's lots of lessons. There's lots of, uh, you know, the learnings are in, uh, you know, trying to find yourself um, in your relationships, whether it's with one of your mates or treating your mum and dad the right way or getting over certain aspects. So all those things, it's, it's really a book of art of living and the art of surviving life in a courageous way. And, and uh, um in my own words, in, in my own style, I've got some quirky little <laughs> funny funny things that I can I really want to talk about. I really want to be honest with it. I want to be warts and all um, about certain addictions and certain things that I went too far with. Um, I went into really deep black holes um, that I just couldn't see around it, couldn't see um, my way out of it for, for a long time. And, um, and I think if I can... <clears throat> cut those corners for, for the kids of, you know, um, that are coming through, um, maybe, you know, um, that'll help someone and, and I've done my job and I can die happy and, you know, and, um, so yeah, hopefully in a year or two, I'll have the book out, um, and, um, you'll all get a good laugh. <laughs> Getting yeah. back on here, funny buddy. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. You're coming back on when the we'll book's do a book ready. reading. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll do a book reading. <laughs> <laughs> there better be pigeon spit in there, so. <laughs> and a chapter on how you step over him. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so it's. Uh, uh, I know Woody struggled to organise this one, but <laughs> thank you, James, for organising. Nice, thank it. you, James. Uh, and it was really good that he gave you the right address. Um, <laughs> but it's great to have you here, mate. And Thank you uh, so I've much. got absolutely no doubt um, if you sort of stay with uh, the premise of the podcast, if we can learn something from a guest, our listeners are going to learn heaps and fuck. Yeah. I don't know. How much did you learn tonight, Barnsley? <laughs> heaps, mate. Loved it. No, thank, thank you, you, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Kondo. Real pleasure, mate. Thanks, Cheers. Thank you so much. And thank yeah. you, Ray. Guys. And studio Ray. audience. Big you. Studio right audience. <laughs> We're back in the shed. <laughs> smoke here. We only set fire through the microphones. <laughs> <laughs>